What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, powered by Bloke Beer. Aussie spirit in a can. It's beer for blokes that turn up for their family, mates, and good times. Get into your local, grab a case of Bloke Beer. It's an easy drinking lager, session lager, the summer. The warm months are coming, the warm afternoons. It's a perfect beer to sit back after you've had a long week of work, you've put the hours in, and you reward yourself with a beautiful, easy-drinking beer. We've also got a mid-strength. We are in hundreds of stores across New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, ACT. So go to our store locator on blokeinabar.com. You put in your postcode or your address. It will show you the closest stockers. You can even tick midi or lager to show which store stocks which type of beer. We are also in every single celebrations. Bottolo, IGA Plus Liquor and Porter's Liquor in ACT in New South Wales. So if you live in New South Wales ACT and you're listening right now, your celebrations or Bottolo or IGA Plus Liquor around the corner, they will stock bloke beer. Go in and grab a case if you've been thinking about it for a while. I wonder what bloke beer tastes like. Give her a crack. I promise you it's a beautiful beer. The feedback we get from it is constantly, it's a it's one of the better beers on the market. I'm telling you guys, we've got one of the best young brewers in the country to come up with the recipe. Yesterday, we had an absolutely huge day at the Locker Room Hotel. You know, probably over a thousand people, maybe even two, I'm not sure, turned out, all drinking the bloke midi, and they absolutely loved it. Uh, the amount of feedback we got was, was huge. So brought to you by Bloke Beer. Make sure to grab a case. No beer loves sport the way we love sport. It is the unofficial beer of Australian sport. Uh, also, you can head to bloke.shop. Bloke shop. We've got shirts there you can grab. We've got hats, we've got socks, all that good stuff. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, brought to you by Bloke Beer. It's the beer for blokes that turn up, turn up for your family, mates, and good times. It's a beer that loves sport. It's Aussie spirit in a can. No, no, no beer loves sport the way we do. We live and breathe it. So grab a case of bloke in a bar from your local. It's a beautiful beer. Really, really easy drinking. We've also got a mid-strength. Head to blokeinabar.com. You put in your postcode or your address. It'll show you the nearest stockist. Aussie spirit in a can, guys, as, as uh, bloke as it can get. So bloke in a bar beer. Make sure to grab some beer. Uh, from your local, want to give a quick shout out to two stores at Stock Bloke in a Bar, Louis Liquor Barn in Cairns, the Great Cairns. Get into Louis at Hambo for your grand final, the post grand final celebrations, Bloke in a Bar slabs, or the Rag in Famish just down the road from North Sydney Oval, old school pub with cold beers, great food, completely family free and dog free, uh, completely family and dog friendly, and it's known for its homemade pies, eight dollar schooners of. Uh, well, they've got bloke beer there um, and plenty of other stuff. They've also got a $25 Sunday roast. So that is rag and famish. Plus, we're in hundreds of other stores along with we're in uh, Bottolo, every single Bottolo in New South Wales, every single Celebrations in New South Wales, every single Porter's Liquor and IGA Plus Liquor in New South Wales and ACT. So get into your local, grab a case of bloke beer. Also brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. Uh, the great budgie support people that support us guys this community was incredible yesterday the turnout was absolutely amazing uh, so make sure to give budgie smuggler some support it's summer it's getting warmer the sun's out the only place to get your summer kit is budgie smuggler they're also got they're on the hunt for australia's most ordinary rig entries close this wednesday and the top 10 will be flown to Sydney to partake in a pageant hosted by the great Hello Sport. $10,000 up for grabs. Half for you, half for your chosen sports club or charity. And you'll also get a billboard in your hometown. And I've been getting tagged in blokes 
entering. It's hilarious, it's great, and it's also a really positive celebration. It doesn't matter how big or small you are as a bloke, as long as you're happy and healthy, that's all that matters. And this is a celebration of that. So budgiesmuggler.com.au, that's where you get your, your summer gear from. We've also got shirts on bloke.shop. Now, let's get, to the, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the best stuff. Penrith Panthers absolutely dominate the Para Eels. First of all, welcome, Guru. How are you feeling? Yeah, good, mate. Huge day yesterday out there at the grand final. What a community. Incredible. Thank you so much to everyone that turned up. It, it blows my mind. When we shake people's hands and you guys say thank you to us, I'm like, bro, thank you. Mm. Fuck, I should be thanking every one of you personally. Uh, incredible day. Incredible day. Especially like the weather. It just couldn't have got better. I was sitting there all <sighs> weeping and it's going to be pissing with rain. It's going to be awful. We couldn't have got a better day for it. So lucky. See? God must like the bloke community. <laughs> he must. Timmy, how are you going, brother? Good, mate. Yeah, still, uh, I think, mentally recovering after a, a big afternoon uh, at the live show yesterday. I'm still in my, my same kit I wore to that one, so <laughs> I've, I've really yeah, yeah, been busy since then. But I uh, spent, the, spent the night at Penrith Lee's Club partying with Royce Simmons, so I had breakfast there this one. Nah, I didn't really. But uh, excited to get stuck into this one and recap a, a pretty – it was a one-sided grand final, boys, and, you know, a bit disappointing in that regard. But at the same time – we we're witnessing some a bit of footballing genius in that game last night, so very appreciative of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really interesting one because like going mm -hmm. into the game, obviously I tipped Penrith. I just thought they'd be too good, but I wanted Pen uh, Pen uh, the Eels to win just because of the thirty-six, seven year or whatever it is drought, and 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 we always love the underdog or whatever. But honestly, like probably twenty minutes into the game, I was like, no, this Penrith team deserves a back-to-back. -back. Like it would be a travesty for a team of this quality not to get a back-to-back, -back, not to go down in the history books, in my opinion, at least of the modern era, that team would take it to any team. I challenge anyone to name their best 1-17 to that's been in a grand final, and I reckon that Penny Panthers, it's a 50-50 coin flip as to whether they'd beat them. That's how good that side is, and it's pretty incredible because they're still a relatively young side. Um, Guru, tell me what you thought about the match. Well, mate, they're not relatively young. They're young. I know. It's like, it is. It's crazy. The, the more that you look at that side and you think about what they've achieved, it's insane. And, you know, we all love a good underdog story, as do I. But, you know, selfishly, I love a dynasty and a system. Mm. I was able to put it together. And I don't know if we are at the point where we call Penrith a dynasty. Personally, I think they probably have to win one more to go into <coughs> that sort of realm. But... Mate, to, to live through and see a team start from the absolute bottom, not the absolute bottom, but start, you know, putting this squad together and then all of a sudden now they're on the same level of those 90s Broncos, the Melbourne Storm during the 2010s. I, like, you almost feel honoured to be able to watch it. Oh, mate, it 100%. Up. Like, it's been unbelievable. And, you, you know, you look now and you think about those teams that did those things. You know, their halves were 27, 28, 30. Yeah. Their halves are 24. Uh, it's bizarre. It's absolutely incredible. Timmy, what do you think about the game, mate? Yeah, look, I was I was cheering for the Parramatta Eels. I just for the same reason a lot of people, the underdogs. You know, you you see a team succeed for a number of years, you get over them. You want to mm. change the scene. So I was going for Parramatta, uh, but then the silver lining to Penrith getting out was that the Raiders aren't don't have the longest premiership dream. <laughs> so look, I was very happy about that one. And look, I've heard a lot of people saying. You know, it was a bit embarrassing from Parramatta in a grand final and disappointing they didn't show up. They were just outplayed by, as you said, Kempi, one of the best football teams I've ever seen. And they weren't given a chance in this game. And it, 
I don't think it was because they didn't show up. Mm. It was just because Penrith were too good, and they you've got to give the credit where it's due because holy shit. Oh yeah, honestly, I I, th- I don't even think the Parrios played that poorly. I really don't. It, it was as close to a perfect game from mm. the Panthers. Put it this way: you take out that last ten minutes, it's almost a perfect game from the Panthers. And I like look. I understand that. Okay, their completion rate was ended up being about eighty six percent. I think. Oh. And so, which is incredible for a grand final and, and the taking of risk. And yeah, the Parrot Eels got a bit more um, devil, like just carefree towards the end. Let's just throw it around. But that first half was almost perfect from the Penrith Panthers. Like I, that first half I looked at and was like, where would you, what single player could you say wasn't playing in his potential? It was absolutely incredible. So anyone that thinks that the Parrot Eels, um, you know, like didn't turn up, row. I totally disagree. They went up against 17 players that, are, unfortunately, across the board, just are better. Like, and and they may eventually the Eels may get to that, or they may not. But unfortunately, one to 17, the Eels were just better. There's probably there's not a single position that I think the Eels didn't out, the Panthers didn't outplay the Eels. Yeah, like I, I was thinking, oh, I haven't written it down yet, but I was thinking about a team of the week and. I couldn't I like respectfully to Parramatta. I don't think they played poorly, but I couldn't find it. Maybe Madison. 13. Maybe Madison. Maybe. But Isaiah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so I, yeah, it's it's incredible. Like you're uh, watching their forward pack in the first twenty five minutes, it felt like they were running downhill. Mm. It was just incredible. Like something I've spoken about throughout the year is their their sets after points. They went below fifty meters on one of them. Crazy. And, and we'll sit like, here and, and probably um, critique a lot of Parramatta players next hour or so. Let it be known that there's a little asterisk next to everything we say that it's this happened because Penrith had made it happen. 100%. Like, not because Parramatta weren't good, uh, sorry, stuffed up or whatever. It was because Penrith made it happen. Eels went into half time with 80% completion rate. Like, there, there were, the difference was, is that the Penrith Panthers were winning the contact in every single department in attack defense and we'll get to the specifics a bit more later because there's one thing that i really noticed that i think the panthers did really well and i think the eels um they again it wasn't an effort thing it was just a tactical thing that i think didn't work out for them so i I, look i a lot of people might be like oh come on you know they were totally tailed up if the eels played really poorly i would say the eels played really poorly i would say did they play their best game ever no i don't think they did that either but did they not turn up i don't i don't think so i just think the penrith panthers put on one of the greatest at least the greatest first 60 minutes as one of the greatest the only other one of dominance that i can recall from the modern era is obviously the 40 nil manly versus storm um outside of that like you know and storm were missing obviously cam smith now that doesn't mean they would have won it Outside of that, I can't remember a grand final. Maybe Roosters Storm 2018. Was it 18, I think? Yeah, 18, yeah. But I would say this Penrith side was more dominant than the Roosters in that. And the Roosters played the best game that I've fucking seen in a long time. Yeah, and I mean, it's crazy when you look back at the last three seasons, like the first year that Penrith went all the way to the grand final. Probably their defence wasn't quite at the point you wanted it to be at. They conceded a fair whack of points in all those games. They won the comp in 21. Their defence was unbelievable. Their attack wasn't that crash hot mm. during the finals. This year, they just put them both yeah. together. And it's like we spoke about it quite a bit of like, if they can put them both together, they will be unbeatable. And it's actually interesting because Cleary in a post-match uh, press conference or uh, like interview or whatever, he said for the last, I think it was the last few years, at the very least of the last season, he said we'd never really walked off the field and said that was a complete mm. performance. He said 
I think he said at least in the first half, we walked off the field and said that was a complete performance. And he's totally right. They had attack and defence completely. Like at the pinnacle of rugby league, you cannot get any better than that. The pressure, the finesse, the getting to certain points, the tactical decisions, the execution, every single thing was almost a 10 out of 10. It was absolutely incredible from the Penny Panthers. As a matter of fact, right now I agree. I couldn't put them in a dynasty yet just because of the time. Like, put it this way. If I was a betting man, I'd say they're going to go on for a dynasty. But, you know, who knows what can happen. I would probably put them maybe a little bit above the manly dominance around the 2011-13, but just a little bit below the storm dominance of the last 20 years. I'd, I'd hang them around there a little bit um, in regards to, like, how they'll be remembered. Like, in 10 years' time, for example, in 10 years' time, when we talk about 2000, year 2000 to 2020, it will talk about the storm. The, and then occasionally we'll bring up, there will manly were dominant between about, what, 2007, 8 to about 2013. Right now, if they were to not win another comp, I think that's where they would kind of land, just a bit better because obviously the back-to-back. But seriously, I, in a three-year period, I don't think we've ever seen such a dominant side, at least in the modern era. It's incredible what they've done, mate. And I was, I was just going through some maths then. Since they lost that 2020 grand final, they've conceded a grand total of 68 points in finals matches. Fuck. Mm. That's 11 points per game they've conceded in finals matches since they lost that grand final and won two in a row. So, you know, we always say it and, you know, I think we, we all remember it, but I think we kind of forget it at times. Defence wins premierships. Mm-hmm. That's, that's less than two converted tries they've conceded. <laughs> In each game of finals footy, so going up against the best teams in this competition mm. who are up for it. And also, you've got to remember these teams, like they're coming against the Pendle Panthers, the benchmark of the competition. You saw what Parramatta did last night. Like they got into the opposition strike zone and they kicked on first tackle because mm. they're trying things. Like all these clubs are just trying different things to try and pull their pants down and they're still conceding less than 12 points. It's, it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. One that stood out for me last night watching that game going. There's a million reasons you could, you could come up with why Penrith are so dominant, why they're so good, but their discipline never ceases to amaze me in that side. I know mm. you spoke earlier in the year, Kempi, about how, you know, on kick returns, they get their back five to come in and run, run, run. And where other clubs will go, there'll be a prop forward or a back rower wanting to get in on the action and have a run. Like, no, not your time. Mm. Back five, back five, back five. There were times there last night where they had scattered markers two metres off the line and someone like Brian Toto or Isaac Tunga would go to dummy half and you're just sitting there waiting for them to dart themselves and have a crack and you go, why wouldn't they? Like, no, that's not a part of the game plan. It's pass, hit clear, who's put his kick on and they're running the show. Like, every other just about outside back with scattered markers on the line, no one can resist having a crack at that. Yeah. And that's going, nah. We've been told not to do it. Discipline, discipline, hit cleary. Yeah, it's it's such a good point. It's the hardest thing in rugby league is getting 17 blokes on the same page. Mm. It really, really is because you've got guys that they think they know best or they see an opportunity and it, you know, they they want the try or whatever. No one in Panthers does that. Every single player is playing their role to a T and they don't go outside it. Like it's, they're going to do their job and it's going to be a nine to 10 out of 10. What do you got there, Matty? So I've just done some quick maths. In the last three seasons, every time the Panthers lose, they win 6.7 games. They've won 67, they've lost 10. In three years. In three years. Oh. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And like, 
it hasn't been the same 17 across those three years. Think about the players they've lost during that period <coughs> and the teenagers they've brought up. Yeah. I mean, we've been talking about it all season. It's just, it's unbelievable. And, you know, as you, I, I think they probably need one more to become um, a dynasty. But so what if they return next year and they win that comp without Appy and Kikau? Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> that is going to elevate them to a complete new level. You know what's crazy, though? The way they played last night, I think they might have won without Appy. Oh, I think they could have as well, and I didn't see a world where they could have done that before yesterday. Which is, like, insane. Insane. I cannot... Like, I, I think... I do think... Obviously, definitely they're going to miss Appy. I do think the kick out... That's going to be an interesting one to replace because he's got this. He's so unique. You cannot replicate him. He is just so unique. But they are just so incredible. It is. It's such a privilege to watch. Such a privilege to watch. In saying that, with Kikau, like the way that we're talking about him now, two years ago, I never thought we'd talk about him like that. Mm. He was just the biggest guy on the field. Yeah. Now, mate, he might be the most skilled forward on the field, along yep. with the biggest guy on the field. So you know they've got Garner and Hoskins walking in there. God knows what they could do with them. It should be noted as well, like. They're losing Appy, which is going to hurt. Mitch Kenny has shown that he can do a fantastic job. He's not an 80-minute hooker, mm. but he can do a good job. If you go and watch the New South Wales Cup grand final yesterday, Sonny Luke killed it. Yeah. Absolutely brained it. That was on great like, – that's the biggest game he could possibly play at this point of his career. Yeah. And he brained it there. So they're – shocked me. They're not in a bad spot. And I'd argue, although Kickout was great last night, I reckon Liam Martin was probably better on the on – the, like, just specifically performance, like not overall. I thought Liam Martin was outstanding last night. It's good for Liam Martin to have a game last night that I think a lot of people look at Liam Martin because quite often you get to the end of the game and you look at his stat sheet and it's not overly impressive. Yeah. Quite often, he, he like mm. you'll have games where you, I'll walk away going, fuck, Liam Martin's a tough bastard. Mm. Then I'll go and look at the stats and he's run for 40 metres. And yeah. it, it, it's, it always sort of surprised me. It was great to see him have a game last night where probably more casuals of the game can see just how much impact he has on a yeah. game of football. And he's like, incredible. He's not going against, you know, a buster. Dylan Brown's a good defender. Now, Dylan Brown hung on for dear life and got the tackle, but that doesn't happen often where he's hanging on for dear life. Usually he chops them straight away. Yeah, um, yeah so this Penrith Panthers side, Absolutely incredible. Um, Eels, I still think they played solidly. I don't think they should be embarrassed at all. I don't think that their fans should be feel like the players should be embarrassed. They just rolled into one of the best screen final teams we've ever seen. And I reckon Penrith Panthers essentially put that score on any team that plays them in a grand final right now. Now, that's not comparing to other grand final teams. I'm comparing to the comp right now. Any other team I think the Penrith Panthers beat by 20. They, there's no other team in this competition at their best that could have beaten them last night. No way. There's just, I just, I, I even, I would even argue they had another gear in them. Like, mm. like if if the game got tense, I reckon they could have ratcheted it up even a, just a little bit more. That's how good these guys are. It's great. Like when you look back over the last three years, obviously they lost that grand final in 2020. But I mean, the reality is they've played one bad half of football out of six. Yeah. They've played in grand finals. And it took an immortal to do it to them. Imagine if you could put this current team against that 2020 Storm side. Like, it'd be really interesting. I'd love to see how they would go against yeah. Cam Smith now, now that they're ready for a challenge like that. Yeah, it'd be interesting. It, it doesn't exist out there, in yeah. my opinion, now. I, I, I fuck. You just got to back the immortal, don't you? They'd find a way. But this team is just, like, incredible, incredible. But I also don't think, as crazy as it might sound, like, I think if they had to play Cameron Smith next week, I don't think they'd be as worried as what any other team has ever been before. Yeah, well, they're so confident they're right now. They're just so confident. They're so confident yeah. right now. And so speaking of confidence, um, 
So obviously last week, the great Jerome Luai, um, he said that Parra can call him daddy. And then in his story, he's, <laughs> he's got stuff like uh, talk to me nice, hashtag daddy. He's got, um, what did he, uh, what else? What was the other one that he had? Uh, uh, daddy loves you. Um, <laughs> all this chat. And look, non pantress fans, you know, I know a lot of you aren't going to like that, but at the end of the day, this is what footy's all about. Because I tell you what, the next time Penrith play the Eels, they are going to be absolute fireworks. And we always talk about how the cookie cutter and we don't want the same answers. Well, we're getting it. And unfortunately, sometimes you get it from places that you're not a fan of. I'm a fan of it personally. I think it's hilarious. But at the end of the day, for Jerome Loy, if you can back it up, you can talk as much as you like. And that guy backed it up. And I thought he was really good last night. I actually think it was probably one of his better games the whole season last night. So fucking fair play to him. Talk your shit, bro. Said it a couple of weeks ago. We want characters until we get them. Yeah, I know. And then we're upset about it. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because I don't have a team I follow, so he's not insulting me personally ever. (laughs) Uh, But maybe I'm also biased because we're in content and it's great for us. But how could you not love having this sort of stuff? Even if you love to hate it, by all means, but it's great to have in the game. Put it this way. If I was playing... It infuriate me. It would infuriate me. The, all the little things that the Penny Panthers do. But at the end of the day, we're going to battle. That's so why it infuriate you more because they back it up. Yeah, they, they back just talk it up. shit and then but do it's nothing. Like, look, okay, he's talking a bit of shit. We're trying to take each other's head off. Of course he's talking a bit of smack. It's like, what is talking? Is that crossing the line, is it? Like, I, I, I think it's part of the game. And, and, and imagine going out before a grand final and talking shit like that knowing you've got Junior Borlo about to come and try and take your head off because you've pissed him off. Mm. Like, he's doing it before the game, not after. Yeah, exactly. So he's, like, he's inviting, like, come and whack me, bro. Like, yeah. do what you want. I don't care. And Which then is, backs it up. It's a great point. It's a and, great point. It's before and, the game. And Jerome, Jerome Luai, I've sort of watched him very closely for a couple of years now just because so many knowledgeable rugby league heads knock him and say, you know, he's a bit of a product in his environment that he wouldn't flourish at other clubs and he'd struggle and this and that. Now, I fully understand that he's come through <clears throat> a wonderful system at Penrith and he's in a luxurious position of being 5'8", of this relentless, one of the best teams we've ever seen. But what more has the bloke got to do mm. between, you know, some Eastern Origin performances, final <laughs> series after final series, win after win, breaking all these records as part of this Penrith club. On that left edge of Penrith, that's the dominant left edge. Nathan Cleary... He's one of the best halfbacks we've ever seen. And the right edge don't get the ball. It's the left edge of Jerome Luai. He was wonderful Mm. last night. And and we often talk about statistics not telling the story. Now, Dylan Edwards was incredible last night, thoroughly deserved his Churchill medal. But he had a couple of tries there which were awarded as he threw the last pass. Catch and pass, not a lot to it. Jerome Luai was the one on the inside throwing these unreal balls and creating the space and doing all the hard yards. Now, he doesn't get the tries, but... Without him, the try is not scored. Mm. Like he, I thought he was wonderful last night. Yeah, I, I agree. And if you ever needed an example of having a good solid half to get the job done, <clears throat> look no further. Well, not good solid half, but just a half that can get his ball to his edge. Look at David Fafita. He sat out on his edge all year long, mm. unable to use his potency because he just hasn't been put in the position to use his potency. Who would you say is the most damaging back rower in the comp? It's Kikau. Who's the one feeding him the ball? It's Jerome Lloyd. He's the one putting him in that space. So, yeah, look, if you want to say, I'm not here saying Jerome Lloyd's Darren Lockyer or, you know, Freddie Fittler or whatever, but to say that he doesn't offer quality to this Penrith side, I just think it's you're more against 
his character than actually watching the game and also watching the role he plays perfectly in the Panthers' side. Nothing annoys me more than when people take really good players and good teams and say, yeah, but they're in that team. You realise that team is good because of the players in it, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, the halves have nothing to do with the form of teams. Yeah. It's crazy. Like Cooper Cronk was at Melbourne, the Roosters, yeah. Cooper Cronk was at the best teams because the best teams want the best players. Yeah. And that's like, it's the almost... Panthers a- could go out and get any fucking 5-8 they wanted. Yep. They've chosen their 5-8. He's won two Prems in a row. Mm. They've got their guy. Hate him all you want. He's part of this team. And what he does is incredibly important. Yeah. And also, the Penrith Panthers chose him over Matty Burton, who is fucking amazing. Oh, I just... At the end of the day, Jerome Lawyer, he cares about his brothers on the field, his family, and his area. So he doesn't care. He's like, you're going to hate him anyway. So he's like, I'm winning prems talking shit. Like, what are you doing? Um, so, I, yeah, I, I've just said that I, I, I think people give him a hard time and I don't think he could have done much more. And I, and I think he's a star. That being said, I would love to see him at another club just to just see how good he is oh, and, sure. and how he goes into a new club. And maybe we'll see that in the future at some point. I mm. think there's probably every likelihood we will at some point. It, it'd be fascinating. Yeah, it'd be absolutely fascinating. Um, and look, on the flip side of everything we just said, though, <coughs> like I understand why people talk shit because he's talking shit. So it's like, you know, and I'm, I'm sure he's he's welcoming it. He's like, all right, well, if I'm going to be the villain, I'll, fuck, I'll be the villain. Um, so it's not like, oh, it's, you can't talk shit about Jerome Luai, but it's also like, I guess when you're doing it, realise that this is what makes rugby league great. It's it's the characters, it's the rivalries, it's the, the passion that, oh, oh man, we just want to beat these blokes. <laughs> and like, you know, as you said, he's talking, you know, he's, he's talking before the game, it's not after it or whatever. Like, man, I watched them come out of the hotel yesterday. Who led them out of the hotel yeah, with a big fucking boombox? Yeah. <laughs> Jerome Law. Like you, you can't like you. You can hate him for talking all you want, but he doesn't hide away no. from anything. He's no. got one of the biggest back rows in the competition next to him. Have you ever sat there and gone, "Geez, Luai's lucky that Kikau does all this defence for him"? <laughs> yeah, never, never. Mm. He doesn't shy away from anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, just it, it's it, it'll go down in folklore for the, of the the grand finals. The chat before. Call me daddy. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But it is going to add so much to their next. I think that I hope anyway. Look, to be honest, they may be too good to create a rivalry, but I'm hoping it's just reignited that Western Sydney rivalry so that for the next 10 years, we're watching these teams absolutely just destroy each other. Um, all right, let's get into the, the specifics of the game. Now, we'll talk about Penny Panthers first. Actually, let's talk about the Eels first because we've just sat there talking about the, the, the Panthers for quite a while. Look, this is a really tough one because the Eels were just completely smothered. Like, the, anything they tried to get working... Look, I thought Dylan Brown eventually started trying to just get something out of the game and he started running quite a bit. I think he actually ran for the second most metres just behind Gutho, Dylan Brown. So it wasn't for lack of effort. I will say one key thing that... I think was a tactical error was when I was watching a lot of the, the Parrot Eels uh, attacking runs, they'd kind of get a wide pass and be running at the C and D defender. And the C and D defender is usually like two or three off the rock. So you're running more into the middle of the field. You're running into two shoulders usually. And the amount of times that Penrith Panthers would just catch them, drag them back was just like nearly every tackle. They're so good at catching and dragging mm-hmm. back. It's, it's, they are the masters of it, an absolute masters of just, they make sure that they hold you up, someone else comes in, you go back five metres and the, all the momentum is gone. Whereas the Penrith Panthers, they were always jamming in behind the rocks and, and 
the difference between a C and like when you're running a C and D, it's not as a brave run as running in behind the ruck. Because if you run in behind the ruck and someone times it, you get absolutely flatlined because you've only got one direction to go. Now, if you've got a big right foot step, most big forwards don't. So you, don't, you know, big right or left foot. So if you're going in behind the ruck, you're so committed to that that if they land you, you're you're going to get shotted. But the the and and we saw that quite a bit of the in the first half. We saw the Eels shot the the Panthers big big hits, but they just kept jamming straight in behind the ruck, and it didn't allow the pen, uh, the Eels to get enough numbers in the tackle, and that's why the Panthers were just fine in their front constantly because they were just jamming in behind the ruck. Whereas the Eels they were running at C and D defender, so they had three or four blokes ready there to to hold and carry them back. I thought that was a real tactical error, and I would have liked to see the Eels jamming in behind the ruck a little bit more. Yeah, I thought another one, and I think it was Joey that mentioned it on the commentary. Why on earth were all their kickoffs going straight down the middle? Mm. Like, mm. you just made it so easy for Penrith. They, you know, as you said, Penrith love to wedge in, in between your A and the markers, and they just let them go shot for shot to have either side. Like, it yep. just made life so much easier, whereas if Parramatta would have kicked to the corners. And, you know, you get so used to it, because teams do it every week that you probably don't think about it, but you umbrella your defence and you keep them in that corner, whereas... Yep. They just made life easy for the Penrith Panthers. Like the yep. first, what the first time they did it off the kickoff, I sort of thought, okay, beautiful. Parramatta are making a statement; they're going to go at them. Yeah. And they did it the second, the third, the fourth. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe they kept going back to it. And must have I'm, been it. Must have been a directive for, for some. Oh, it had to be, but I, I can't make any. And like, and yeah, like if it is a, a directive to go about it, that's fine. But mate, the first, like the first set after points, they went sixty meters. The next one, they went hundred meters and forced a drop out. Mm. Then they went sixty the one after. Surely at some point, then <coughs> someone sent down the message, "Hey, this probably isn't fucking working." Yeah, get us to the corners. Yeah, and so we can fucking jam up. What tactically did you see, Timmy? I think you're right in saying yeah that there was around that CD defender mark. You know, maybe no man's land a bit. I sort of spoke before the game that I thought to, to combat the, the line speed defensive Penrith through the middle, to use that ball movement through Junior Borlo, through Ryan Madison, a couple of other good ball playing forwards there, and just hitting those edges of Sean Lane and Isaiah Papali'i. Mm. And, and I just thought that'd be so effective. So, you know, you could have the first two tackles of the set doing that, <coughs> punching in behind the ruck, trying to get those quick play the balls, but then just spreading it a little bit further in the C&Ds and getting your... You might not be completely isolating a half with Papali'i or Sean Lane, but even if it's a getting two defenders and a quick play ball, mm. because they're so threatening with it. And we saw in the last 15, 20 minutes when Parra finally got into the game with ball in hand a little bit, that's what they were doing. We saw Papali'i go through for the Gutho mm. try. We saw only about a set or two later, Sean Lane nearly went through as well down that edge play. Now, I know that's late in the game. There's you know 15 minutes to go and, and maybe <coughs> Penrith were getting a little bit lazy with the scoreline, but mm. I think that was was the way they needed to play it through the two ugly informed back rolls of the competition. Yeah. Um, again, I know, I know it's easier said than done with that Penrith lineup, but that's how I would have done it, and I, I just think they just played into their hands a little bit. Yeah, it's because, like, the reason why they were struggling to get to the edges because they weren't winning the contact. Yeah. So they were getting a slow play of the ball. So they'd throw that long pass to potentially go there, and they were getting jammed. Like, I actually saw, I think Dylan Brown got jam probably at least two or three times and it was just clear he landed right on him as soon as he got the ball whereas like if you win that contact initially it gives you the mm -hmm. the the i guess the license to go well if we've won this contact and it's quick play the ball there's no way that that edge defense has been able to get back and then back up in their face again it, like in saying all that this is real easy to say really easy to say um when you're out there it's all happening you're under the pump 
I, I, I really think the Eels' performance was a reflection of the Penrith Panthers' performance rather than a reflection of them playing poorly. I really think that we saw one of the great, at least in the first half, we saw one of the great performances. Because, like, what, they went in at 18-0 up? Yep. So they scored, like, 10 points in the second half. So second half was actually 12-10 yeah. to, the pan, to the Eels. Yep. Um, and so that's why I just believe we saw one of the great first halves all time. You mentioned... Um Isaiah Papali'i then, like, he's an edge back row. And we spoke about it in the show yesterday about how they'd go at him and try and make him do a heap of work. He made 48 tackles and he missed mm. 11. So that was almost 60 contacts. Yeah. And that's why I was forced him was into it, Was it yesterday we were talking about it or was it early in the week? One of the two. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. So that's what I was talking about. I wonder if they watched Tamalolo get a bit of success over Papali'i yeah. um, and said, look, let's tie this bloke out because we don't want him fresh coming at us. And it's kind of what you want to do to kick out. You want kick out to get fatigued as well. And he, he what he made, what, 40 whatever tackles? He missed 10, didn't he? Missed 11. 48 he made, 11 he missed. 11 Sean missed. Lane made 35. So between them, they made 80 tackles, the two-edge back row. Yeah, like, wow. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would assume they've never got close to that nah. this year. I mean, that's a lot of efforts. 48 oh, for an edge. Fucking crazy. How many Dylan? That 30? Missed three? Uh, Brown? For who, uh, Brown? I think he made about 30 missed three, which is pretty good. Yeah, just shit itself. Oh, okay. Yeah, they down. <laughs> oh they're, they're announcing the Australian squad, aren't they? Yeah, I've got the team here if you want it. <coughs> just got announced then. Can you put, edit something yeah, up? Yeah, I'm, I'm halfway through. Yeah. Uh, Adokar, Campbell Gillard, Burton, Carrigan, Cherry Evans, Cleary, Collins, Cotter, Crichton, Tino, um, Campbell Graham, Harry Grant, Val, Benny Hunt, Liam Martin, Latrell, Munster, Cam Murray, vice-captain, Nanai, Tulungi, Tedesco, captain, Jake Javoyevich, Jack Wyden, Azeo, co-vice-captain, and then it, uh, Dylan Edwards, Nico Hines, and Damian Cook are all on standby. Wow. So Edwards, Edwards on standby? It. Yeah. So Edwards is on standby? Edwards, Hines, Cook sta- on standby. Wow. So Lane and Young didn't make it. In saying that, did you message through that so I can yeah. see? Yeah, yeah. There's a few nat like. Did you say Murray Tolungi's in it? Yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting because the website's down. I'm just waiting for the official official list. I listened to it and typed. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. It, it'll be minutes. It'll be minutes away. So, so they're probably going down the route of they think Latrell will play fullback if Teddy gets injured. I think so. Oh, actually, well, Edwards on standby. Does that mean he goes with them? I don't think so. I think it'll come down to who says they're going to play for the Kangaroos and injury tests and everything over the next week or so. Yeah, Tuolangi in the squad. Yep. Gee. Surely he was – I think he was named in the Samoan squad as well. So I'm not – has he said he's going to play for the Kangaroos yet? No, not, not sure. Not sure. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Wow. Corey Oates, not, not they a – They wouldn't have picked him if he hadn't made – like – Yeah, Mel Meninga's pretty tight. Yeah, he would have called him. You're going to pick him massive congratulations. What a year from Tuolangi. Fuck, incredible. What about those bunnies? Cam Murray's 24 years old and the vice captain of the Kangaroos. Crazy, crazy. Campbell um, Graham as well. How fucking good. So yeah, Hooker, Campbell Hooker's, Graham, that's Hooker's Harry, Harry Grant obviously in there. Like Benny cookie, Hunt. Cookie's on standby. So Harry Grant, Benny Hunt, yeah. Cookie's missing. Sorry, was, was Appy in it or not? KKK. Uh, no. No Appy. Wow. So is he... So he's gone with two hookers. Wow. You must think that like maybe Whiten could slot in there maybe if on a pinch. Because one goes down, you can't expect him to play 80. Can you? Benny Hunt and 
Is Appy on the standby or is he not on there at all? Is he playing with Fiji or something? Or yeah. That's surprising. Yeah. Still waiting for the official one yeah, to come through. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. Um, all right. Well, we'll get to the, uh, the, the, the team announcement when we've got the full list. Uh, back to the, the game. Back with the Eels. Um, yeah, like, look. It's just tough. Yeah, okay. They completed at 70%, so you could say that. Um, you could say that, well, they could have completed higher, but even when they were over 80, they were still losing substantially. So I don't, I don't think that was the, the issue. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what to really look at because I just think they were squeezed out of it. You know, maybe, maybe Mitchell Moses could have found a way to change the game up, but when you've got no momentum, what is he supposed to do? What is he supposed to do? Yeah, I mean, like, like we spoke yesterday about trying to make Penrith uncomfortable and, you know, offloading the ball and everything. And they didn't have any fucking ball to work with. They had nothing to work with. And, like, I, I saw a lot of people bagging Dill Brown on social media about, you know, that kick that he put in for Mitch Moses. Like, I like that kick. I love it. You have to do something different against this team. Like, it's heaps easy to say in hindsight, oh, stupid fucking play. But he, he tackled him ten, like five yeah, metres I mean, from the line. Yeah, I mean, you turn the ball over on the trial yeah. line. Like, I, I don't understand what, what the it issue was. It was a metre away from scoring a try. Yeah. That's ridiculous. And if he scores off that... Dill Brown's a genius. Yeah. All of a sudden, well, at the at the worst, at the worst, he has he, they've got him tackled five meters off the line. At the literal worst, it's a it was a it was a, I thought it was a fantastic kick, executed perfectly, nearly like so. That's bizarre. Um, so, but outside of that, like okay, Sivo, I, I will say Sivo shouldn't have dropped that ball. Got to score them. Got to score them because I mean, then would have been like what eighteen six or maybe eighteen mm. six. Then they could have maybe got back into it. But I, I, I look at that eel side and I go, did anyone play really that poorly? Like, I think there was an error from Wonga Blake coming off his end. But look, Wonga Blake's got at least an error in him, so you probably have to expect that from from the eels. I, I don't. There's no player I look at and go, mate, you really had a Barry Crocker. I, I really don't. Now, does it mean that you know were they ten out of ten performances for what they're doing? No, no, that's not saying that at all. But I just think as a unit, they were up against just a much better unit. Like it's there's nothing. Put it this way: I don't think if the Eels played ten out of ten, they would have been, they still wouldn't have beaten the Panthers. Which is interesting because before the game, I thought that if Eels played ten out of ten and the Panthers played as good as they have been playing, then the Panthers uh, the Eels could get the win. But I think this was truly the first game we've seen for the last three years where the Panthers everything they possibly could go right and do well for them went right and did well for them. Like their attack and defense completely clicked all in one. I think it was 73 more tackles Parramatta in the first half. That's crazy. fucking crazy. Like, crazy. that's ridiculous. So many. You even look at, I mean, four of the five tries were to outside backs. The other one was the grubber in the, the, behind the line for Scotty Sorensen. Oh, that's gut. Yeah, I will say that was an error from Gutho for sure. And I'll be mean, yeah, touching on that one now. Oh, man, I sound like a broken record, but yeah, I just, it's just every week these soft tries because yep. the fullback's in the line and. I know we've spoken about the alternative to it and having the extra defender in the line, but honestly, Penner scored three tries off it last week against the Bunnies, and then another one in the grand final that was just so easy. Mm. And it, and then they nearly <coughs> scored another one, which kick to, to his credit, um, Gutho got there. But there was the the one that Blake went on kick out. There was one where Jerome Luai nearly could have easily scored, and Gutho did get there. Yep. Um, just there's got to be another way around this. It's I, <laughs> so soft. Yeah, I think that the Gutho one was a pure error because I don't think he realised it was fifth. <clears throat> Mm. I think he, 
yeah, that was just an error by Gutho, and I'm sure he'll look back on that and go, like, I don't know for, for the life of me why he was going on a short side mm. on the fifth tackle. Because it was a fifth tackle, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure. Mate, uh, even if it wasn't, I don't think you can afford to do yeah, it Yeah, go on short team. side. I, I, yeah, we spoke about this last week, Tim and Guru. Like, I think you're getting too greedy putting them in at A. I think you, okay. cop, you cop that. Teams are becoming – there's too much video. There's too much – they're going to pick it out and just nail it. There's a reason why the Penrith Panthers were doing these tiny short grubbers in behind. They weren't grubbering into the end goal. They were literally grubbering at like two metres behind the play, which is so fucking smart. So you can't – honestly, I even though it was an error from Gutho, I reckon even if he was there, he wouldn't have made it. Mm. I reckon it was that pin perfect. He, now, he may have made the tackle on Sorensen and somehow held mm. him up, but – so yeah, that that was an error, and so that's that's where the Penrith Panthers beat you though. Like you, you just make these tiny errors that are excusable, and you go, look, there's going to be errors in games, and they just fucking capitalise yeah, every then, time. On the the Toto tries, the Charlie Staines tries, you're sort of sitting there and you watch every time I see a try, I'm thinking, oh, we've got to critically analyse this. Who's at fault? And no one was really at fault. They were just. Mm. They did all the hard yards through the middle, quick play the balls, Eels were gassed, and they just stripped them. And there was no individual doing anything wrong. Mm. It was just nearly perfect footy from Penrith. The only one that maybe you're a bit of an argument with was the, the first Stephen Crichton try. Even that, I'm looking at it going, Sean Lane was the man who, who needed to be there, but he just sort of got caught up in or in around the defence. Uh, the lead runner might have been Liam Martin or something in that one, and you're going, all right, yes, it's his gap, but maybe they could have turn, turned in and made the tackle. But he just got caught up in a bit of an unlucky situation. There weren't a lot of individuals who did things wrong for mm. these tries. It was just Penrith being Penrith. That was such a smart try from Cleary because they know that Cleary – opposition teams are trying to jam Cleary. So they know that that, that edge back rower is not going to be able to help himself. He's going to want to put hands on him because his job is to make him uncomfortable. So as soon as that happens, Cleary knows there's going to be a little bit of space internally. And so I agree. No one did anything wrong. But that required Nia Cora to do something great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it wasn't wrong that he wasn't there, but it required a big play where, you go, where we're going, what a, what a trail from Nia Cora. Like, he was ages away, but he just kept working from the inside. Because if you watch it again, he's just jogging. Yeah. And then yeah. as soon as he sees it happen, he starts running. I reckon from the get-go, if he was going, he probably oh, makes that God, tackle. Yeah. But it's more a case of Cleary understanding where space is being created by players around him movement. They created that space by dragging across Sean Lane, knowing Dylan Brown would make the right decision rather than the wrong decision. Then there's going to be a metre space, no matter what, that he's going to be able to get through Crichton. So it just... What they did with those plays, that's what happens at training, where everything looks great, looks really easy. You're at training and all these holes are opening up and it's like, fuck yeah, how good are these plays? You get in a game and it fucking you're getting jammed. Um, and so... They just nailed it on the big stage, though. They they nailed it perfectly. Mate, there was moments there where Jerome looked. Jerome Lewis, like he looked like he was playing at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just he jumping was around. bouncing around yeah. and jumping, and he was just all over the place. So, I thought that um, Brian Toto as well, like one of the best wing performances I've seen in a grand final. Oh, God, a winger's never won the Clive Churchill. If he didn't win it last night, no one's ever going to. Yeah. It was honestly... I don't know how anyone's yeah, ever going to get close to it. Like, he... if Put it this way, I had Edwards winning, 
But if Toto wins, I wouldn't have been that I had angry. Both posts ready to go. Yeah, so did I. So no, did I. Because you know, obviously with these Clive Churchills, it can go anywhere sometimes. Yeah. But I, I tipped Toto at fifty-one bucks at the show yesterday. So geez, I was hoping he was going to get oh, it. Oh <laughs> no! But you, uh, you have a look at Brian Toto this final series, and I like. I don't know. I, I, I think we become used to what he's done over the last few years. We don't appreciate it. This final series, he's averaged 267 run metres. Oh, my God. 267. The Origin series, he averaged 210. Like, he's doing stuff that we haven't seen anyone do before, in my opinion. Yep. I, you know, I, like, j- just to run you through some numbers. So, he's played four years, right? Over his four-year career, he's averaging 201 run metres per season. If you remember back a couple of years ago, Blake Ferguson had that season on the wing for the Roosters where we just couldn't believe what he was doing. Yep. He averaged 200, and that was his peak mm. career season. Yep. You have a look at other guys that we talk about as, you know, the best wingers coming out of their own end. Ferguson, his best two seasons, 200 metres and 180. Daniel Tupu, 180, 181. Mansell, 181, 175. Ken Mamalo, 190, 187. Brian Toto's <coughs> career average is better than all these guys' peak seasons. That's fucking Jesus. wild. Like, it's fucking unbelievable. And, like, you have a look at over their careers, you know, like um, Daniel Tupu, who, you know, up until Brian Toto, I thought he was one of the best guys I've ever seen coming out of his end. Mm. Over a whole career, he averages 143 metres. And it's been a longer career, don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. But when you also go and have a look, and I went through all the numbers yesterday of these guys, their entire careers – their best years for all of them, as far as running metres, it tends to be their fifth, sixth, and seventh year. Yeah. Toto's in his fourth, and he's <laughs> averaging 200. That is wild. He just did 300 in a grand final. Yeah. What about he got 299? Give him the 300. <laughs> give him the 300. <laughs> no one is going to question that extra metre. Yeah, give him the 300. I'm and sure you the, could find it in all the runs. And when the game was at its toughest... He ran for 170 in the first half, I think it was. Do, do anyone have any... I was trying to find it last night. Can we get um, first half stats for tackled in opposition half? Because Parramatta, I think they had about two sets in Parramatta's yeah. halves. So it was incredible. Yeah. It, I just, it was that contact. They just lost the contact every single time. They could not... Like, even from the, from the kickoff, they just could not win the field position battle. Like, every set... Penrith are just creeping a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And you, you don't notice, like, I mean, some, I mean, a lot of people may notice it, but you've got to watch the, the game quite cl- closely to realise what's actually happening here. It, when they say it's the grind, a lot of, what, what's the grind? The grind is we are willing to get absolutely bashed for an extra five metres to finish an extra five metres further the mm. next set. Then the next set we finish, and, and before we know it, our attacking set is going in. But by the time, as a fan, you're watching it, and they get to their attacking set, you've forgotten. They've just spent 20 minutes getting absolutely fucking belted for that extra little inch oh. to get them towards the the goal try, the try line. Last night was like a game of um, um, force and backs. You could just see every set. Yeah. Parramatta mm-hmm. was just going back an extra three or four metres. Uh, they were incredible, Penrith. I mean... It's like a, a few unsung heroes. Like I thought Jamin Salmon, when he came on the field, as a brief stint. He made an ankle tap on Clint Gutherson, then he threw it out the back and Salmon won the scramble on the ball yep. to get to it. <coughs> Spencer Lenu, he played 21 Lino. minutes. Oh, my God. He, was he ran for 100 metres and 50 post-contact. He was he was unstoppable. They couldn't they couldn't get him to the ground. It was... Um, Sorensen, fuck. He's so good right off the bench. Their bench is just outrageous. Like... Sorensen and, and Leno, surely they're starting other clubs. Like, it's just because they're at the Panthers, they're not starting. 
I was so I was playing a bit of footy down uh, for for West in Wollongong a few years back now, maybe I don't know, four or five years, and for training one day it's pre-season. There's this bloke on the opposite side. He was you know training with the good side. I was on the has I was going to say has beens, but never been. <laughs> I was just sitting on the other side, yeah, doing a bit of a pose sort of stuff. And I'm like, bloody hell, this bloke can move well. He goes right, so thing anyway. Sort of disappeared before round one. I was like, oh, don't know where he's gone. And it turned out he'd gone up to to the Mounties and he was. Um, got a call up to play with them in New South Wales Cup. And, you know, they at the time were the, the feeder side to the Raiders. And I was sitting at my brother's place in Canberra one day and I'm in the living room watching a bit of TV and he had a new roommate. And I'm sitting there looking at him and he's looking at me and going, where do I know you from? Like, I've seen this bloke before. And he goes, oh, mate, Scott, nice to meet you. Like, What's your last name? Sorensen. I'm like... I was training with you two months ago. Now you're, he was in the Raiders' top 30 about three months later. Far out. So I, I think he'd played maybe with the Sharks before, but went mm. off course a little bit um, mm. for a time. They <coughs> ended up, I said, playing with Wes in Wollongong. And then a few months later, obviously the Mounties spotted him, yep. which then Ricky Stewart spotted him. Before you know it, he was coming off the bench for the Raiders and going, holy shit, that was a quick rise. Far out. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. What a... He's so good off the bench. He's so good off the bench. Um Outside of that, like, I mean, Cleary was outstanding. Talk about clinical. You talk about, like, a clinician of just oh. relentless discipline with execution. That was Cleary. Like, those little grubbers, every single kick was landing where it needed to be. Like, I can't, I'm trying to think maybe one pass went a little bit back behind Leota. And outside of that, I can't think of a fucking <laughs> anything he did wrong. Um and mate, I remember when he threw that pass, being incredibly disappointed. With yeah, it's like oh, that's the standard he set. Yeah. I was like, "What the fuck was that? What are you doing?" Um, so look, I'm trying to talk about more for the Eels, but I, it's hard. Like, what is there to talk? They just unfortunately. Look, I'm happy. For, what I am really stoked for the Eels is that they score those two tries. I would have been devastated mm. for those boys if they went in nil, twenty-eight nil. Would have been tough. It, it wouldn't have reflected their effort that night. Because I don't think anyone can sit here and say the boy they didn't have a red hot crack. Like they they turned up to play a grand final of the Eels, in my opinion. They were just thoroughly outplayed. Um, outside of that, I just there's not really much else I can say. I, I think that their game plan, their tactics, a few of their decisions just weren't on the same level as Penrith. And there's nothing. You mentioned him earlier, Campy, but um, I thought Ryan Madison was quite good. Yeah. Like he was. Pretty well the only forward uh, for... Oh, I shouldn't say only forward. There are a few people that had their moments, their eye-pups or not. But Maddo just looked dangerous with his ball playing throughout the ruck. He had some really... Talk about those hard runs in behind the ruck. He had a few real good ones there where he got quick play of the balls where it seemed near impossible for an English player to get a quick play of the ball. Um, Junior Borlo, while I think his first um, period on the field wasn't his best, obviously, again, wasn't given much of a chance. His second period, Maddo and Borlo linked up a lot just ball playing and they were getting really quick play balls and looked dangerous and unfortunately it was too little too late by that stage but if you're looking for shining lights they i thought matto had a good game matto was outstanding the offloads he did yeah so good what are we Parramatta? they're going to lose reed marty they're going to lose isaiah papali i've sort of been worried all year that you know that's going to be such a big loss it's really going to hurt them but i now look at this side and i think that obviously dill brown mitch moses gutho like i think that these guys will take a lot from this season as well i think mm. they've sort of overcome that hurdle that personally i didn't think they'd be able to get over mm. i've just been able to play good footy in big games i thought last week they were very good and you know i i just think they'll take a lot of confidence from last night does that that sort of outweigh the guys they've lost do you think like oh it's a tough look, one like 2001 they made the grand final 
They don't make it again for another eight years. 2009, mm. they make it. They don't make it for another, was it 12, 13 years, whatever mm. it might be. How do you reckon they'll go next year? It's, it could it's, go. One yeah, it could. Ways. Honestly, it could really go either way. It could. They they could lose Papali'i. They could lose Neokore. They could lose Kofusi. I, I I don't know with Eels. I like it would be very deflating because, you, you, unfortunately, I look at that Penrith side and I go, who beats them? Who beats mm. them at their best? Like whereas, like, for example, even when the Storm were super dominant. I don't think we were sitting there saying they were this far ahead mm. of the next best. We were sitting there going, look, the Storm, you know, they can grind you out of games and they're going to be very disciplined. But, like, obviously the Sharkies came and beat them in, uh, what, 2017? 16, sorry, sorry, 16, they won 17. So even when the Storm were at their most dominant, I don't think they were this far ahead of the competition. But, but even, like, I remember the end of 2017, obviously the Roosters won in 2018, looking at that squad going, fuck, this is a team that can beat them. Like... Mate, I, I don't know if there's a team in this competition. I, I think next year it's a little bit different with Penrith because they're losing Appy and it's going to depend how they handle that. Yeah. But, like, they're just – I mean, it, like, you'd be brave to say that they won't be able to handle that because everyone else that they've ever lost, they've replaced them with seemingly the next best in that position Yeah. in the game. Absolutely incredible. Seriously. Um, but, yeah, just back on Matto real quick. I, I thought off the bench and his offloads, that's when the Eels look different. And so – it's tough. Like, do you do you think it was a mistake not starting him? Like, or do you think he needs to bring that impact off the bench? It's all hindsight, of course. It's easy to say in hindsight. No, I personally wouldn't say it's a mistake. Um, I, I think in hindsight it's easy to say that, but it's worked for them so well the entire season. Um, I think they just got blown off the park early, and there's only so much that matter. If Matter was on the field at the start, do you think – it would have changed much. I, I'm not sure if it would have, to be honest with you. Well, uh, the only thing I'm thinking of is like maybe he could have thrown a, an offload or two that could have broken things open mm-hmm. from just to give him some reprieve from the pressure that they were under in that first 20. But there's no – all the information we had before the game was bring him off the bench. So we've got new information now. We didn't know the Penrith Panthers were going to come out and play fucking incredible. And You know what I mean? No one expected the Penrith to be this good. Yep. No one expected him to be this good. And so I can't call it a mistake because it's, it's, we didn't have that information. We just didn't. Whereas now we know, oh, okay, maybe we did need to – maybe the Eels did need to just have the best 13 on the field from the first 20 to give them a chance to be into the game. Um, anything else from Eels at all, guys? Yeah, I mean, just one positive. I spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, but they've signed Jermaine Hopgood for next season. Uh, he got man of the match yesterday in the New South Wales Cup Grand Final, so that's yeah. definitely – a big positive for them. But yeah, you, you, you look at their losses for next year. Nair Kore, Papali'i, Kafusi, Reid Marnie, Ray Stone, Tom Opachik, David Hollis, Hayes Perham. It's a fair whack of troops to lose heading into next season. So it's going to be a big test. I, I guess now when you look at, you know, Brad Arthur and him over the next few years, like we were sitting there yesterday going, oh, you know, he's got to be safe for the next couple of years. I mean... Fuck, it's going to be a worry if they do go backwards next year and we get to the end of the next season. I think there'll be people in the media that will take the argument, well, you got to a grand final this year, last year. Mm. What's happened now sort of thing? Like, I, I hope not, but I wouldn't be surprised if he is under pressure again pretty soon. Yep. Just got some breaking news. Uh, James Fisher-Harris. This was at the, at the Penrith <laughs> fans. Two Penrith fans at their grand final celebrations. 
I just want to say Para are our sons. Right here, right now, that's just a fact. As I said last night, we are the Penrith, we are the Penrith greatest team ever. <laughs> Holy Jeez. shit. Um, I love it. I love it. If I was a Para Eels fan, it, I'd be filthy, but I'm not. I'm a I'm a <laughs> I mean, to be honest, even if he said that about the Broncos, I would probably laugh. Yeah. Because it's like part of footy. Part of, you know, if you don't want him to say it, change it when you play him next time. Um, yeah, Hopgood. Didn't he, did he win man of the match? Oh, no, Sonny Luke did. In the, no, Hopgood got it. Hopgood got it. So that's a good thing for the, for the Eels. Sonny Luke played very well as well. He's probably unlucky not to get it too. But, yeah, Hopgood got it there. So he'll, I think he'll come into your forward pack. Somewhere Josh Hodgson will obviously arrive as well, coming off an injury. So it'll be interesting to see how. Hodgson goes there. Pretty big shoes to fill in Reed Marnie, but I imagine they would have got Hodgson for a lot less than Reed Marnie. So I think value wise, I think it'll be a nice little get there. Um, but yeah, he's obviously a pretty. You can talk more about it, but I've always thought Hodgson's a pretty dominant nine. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes with those halves. Hodjo is a gun. We all know that. He particularly at his age, coming off an ACL, he just needs to take a back seat at Parramatta. Mm. Uh, now. He's similar enough in ways to Reed Marnie in that he has wonderful service, which is what Parramatta need mm. because ball movement is one of their biggest assets, particularly through the middle, and he will provide that and they won't take a back seat in terms of service. Um, he does tend to overplay his hand at times and get a little bit too excited, but um, at the same time, he's played with you know some lesser names around him at the Raiders and he had to take a, a bigger role in attack. At Parramatta, with these blokes around him, he's a very smart footballer, Hojo. He knows what's going on. So he'll go, you know what? He's crafty around the ruck. You know, he'll draw in markers like, like Marnie can do and he'll just give early ball to, to Brown and, and Mitchie Moses and it, it very handy. And I hope he stays fit for the entire season. And when we have seen Hodgson at his very best, I don't think it was he was the fastest hooker or anything like that. It's, you know, when he was competing with Cameron Smith, you know, for a brief 18-month period. <laughs> no, I don't even know. Maybe fucking six months, seriously. Oh, for sure. But, like, I think he's the only guy that's ever got close to the level of Cameron Smith at the same time as Cameron Smith has been playing. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of felt like that was a bit of media hype. But I can understand why. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I respect it. I respect the opinion. Yeah, I personally think he was almost at that level for a brief period. Yeah. But... I like like he's obviously got a lot between the ears, Josh yeah. Hodgson. Like he's 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 a very good footballer. So hopefully they can keep him on the field because that's the other thing. If he's out, I don't know who else have they got at hooker. Is, is Mitch Rain at the club still? No, I don't think so. No? I don't think so. Yes, yeah, so that'll be. A, like Maybe. They've obviously lost Ray Stone as well, <laughs> so uh, depth could be really tested there. Yeah, Eels are in a very interesting position going forward because. It, again, it could really go either way. This could like really deflate them, or it could light a fire up on them, and they set the stands. What do you got, Maddie? They do have rain there. Yeah, according to there. Oh, he's there. Yeah. Okay, okay, interesting. And we're sitting here saying, "Geez, Reid Marnie would be a big loss." Yes, he will. But as we just touched on, how good a footballer Hodjo is, and yeah, have we forgotten about that because he's had one season off with an ACL injury, so yep. he could come in and kill it and go, "This has just been a masterstroke." Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, Hodgson, I, I. I I always had him around like probably second or third best hooker in the comp. Mm. Um, I, I felt sometimes with the Raiders that he would overplay his hand a little bit. And I also think in defence he was a bit – he could miss some tackles in defence. If I recall correctly, apologies if I'm wrong, and he was a really good – you would know more. Was he a really good defensive hooker? Hodjo? Yeah. Yeah, good, good defensive uh, okay. hooker. I don't know why I'm thinking. But, but I agree with you on the overplaying his hand sometimes. Horribly. When the, it, mate, it felt like it was the Josh Hodgson show sometimes oh. at the Canberra Raiders. So – 
with a half like Mitch Moses and Dill Brown, it obviously can't be that way. Because I remember there was a period at the Raiders where Sticky started playing Starling, I think, over Hodgson <clears throat> because Whiten was just getting no rub of the green and, like, Whiten's just like... What's the point of having me here? It was a real, it was a real downside to Hojo's game. Just getting because he is such a creative genius out of hooker, he just got a bit too excited at times, and he'd just go short sides when it wasn't on, and he'd he'd take over the kicking when it wasn't his time to do it. Um, so what happened was, particularly the year before he got injured, obviously this season, he uh, Hojo was starting the game at hooker for twenty. <clears throat> and then he'd move to lock mm. and become more of that ball-playing lock, which was super effective. Starlord would come on and play sort of the last 50 of the game, and it was so effective for the Raiders. Yep. Um, so, yeah, be yeah. And once again, you know, he's a guy coming to Parramatta. You look at the guys that have come to Parramatta over the last few years, and Brad Arthur's got the very best out of them. Yeah. Your Sean sure. Lanes, your Isaiah Papali'i's like – I know we're talking about a lot, but what – like. You still have to pinch yourself to remind yourself where Papaliti came from. Mm. Sean Lane was a journeyman that no one wanted a couple of years mm. ago. Yeah, Bulldogs, New Zealand. <coughs> he was a seagull. I think for a I think bit, Manly. Like. He went really good in his last year at Manly, but if I recall correctly, Curtis Sirinan I think was injured that year, and that's why he had the spot. Mm. And I think Manly like said along the lines of like your second or third in line. So yeah. I think they did want to keep him, but it was he was like not. Yeah. Has he made that kangaroo squad? No. no. No, I don't think so. But like, if he did make it, I wouldn't have been shocked in the slightest. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, so Hodgson, for me, it's it's you know, it's a really delicate situation because, and I'm not saying this will happen, but let's say he does go there and he wants to be the dominant nine. Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown are both off contract. It could, it could really affect, like, you know, let's say you're Mitchell Moses, you're like, I don't want to fucking... Like, I'm the dominant guy or, or whatever. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays. Look, I think Hodgson, at his age in his career, I think he may understand that even if, again, we all agree, this guy is one of the best hookers in the comp on his day. There's no denying that at all. But I think regardless of how good he is, that is Mitch Mosel's team. And so he's probably just going to have to just be serviced for a while until he finds and his balance of knowing when is right or wrong. I mean, look how long it took Dylan Brown to come out of his shell mm. with Moses. Mm. Matter of fact, look how long it took Moses to trust Dill. <clears throat> and so I think that's going to be an interesting... Now, Moses has matured massively, and he has every right to say this is my team. Um, so it is going to be interesting to see that dynamic. I, I mean, look, Hodgson sounds like a legend of a bloke, so I think he, he'll be able to take a little he'll bit know. of a step back. He'll, yeah, know, sure. he'll go in there, he'll know his role. He'll be 33 by the time the season rolls around. He's, he's ageing, coming off an ACL... He'll play a vital role in that side and his creativity around the ruck will be outstanding from his service, but he'll know his role and that's not to be the dominant attacker in that spot. Yeah, yeah. Do I, you have to, uh, sorry, go. I was just going to say, again, the, the only question I guess for him is it's not his skill set, it's not his potential at all, like we all know. It'll just be his body, I think. Yeah, and yeah. I think that if he wasn't coming off the ACL, I wouldn't be anywhere near as worried as I am. Mm, yeah. But 33 coming off an ACL, like <coughs> it is what it is. You've got to talk about it, you've got to be a little bit worried about it. Do they have to carry? They'd have to carry another hooker on the bench. Do we? I think they would have to. Like that. That's one area I thought the Eels this year they just didn't have a real fourteen that mm. like just was a pure good impact fourteen player. I think that that's something they could maybe look towards because I I can't see him playing eighty minutes at thirty three. I know. I mean, I know Cam Smith did it to lose like thirty seven, but he. I don't think he ever did his ACL and He's the exception. exception. We're yeah. not talking about the rule here. Um, the exciting thing for the Eels, though, is let's say you get a Hodgson playing close to his best footy, that may be a better, as good, at least as good spine as Reed Marnie. 
Yeah, so I'll, that's exciting yeah. for the Eels and for Hodgson as well. I, I don't know if they've got someone else in the squad that I'm not aware of, but geez, it would be good to see them go out and grab a four day in this offseason. Mm. Even if it was like, yeah. I don't know, like a Jake Granville, maybe. Could or Hopgood like. play 14? I don't think so. Yeah, okay. No, I don't think you could chuck him in at nine. Maybe you could, but I mean, you're, you're taking a guy that's really good at these things and making him do this. Yeah. I just don't think. And you've got a spot to fill with Papali'i. I think either he will go to 13 and Maddo to the edge or the other way around, whichever yep. way they choose. But it'd be good to see them go out and get a 14 that they could maybe chuck on the bench because, you know, if I've got Hodgson at nine, I can't run with Jacob Arthur at 14. Yeah, that's going to be interesting how they balance that because he's kind of all he's, – he's almost got that spot now. Yeah. Um, Is there anyone in there? I'm not really. Not rain, really. I mean, yeah, like Ray Stone's going to the Dolphins, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. He can play a bit of hooker. Um, pretty just rain there, so – uh, there might be junior coming through or something. They, mm. like, I'm mm. not too sure. Uh, now, just uh, we will talk about with the Eels. That obstruction trial was a fucking obstruction. Oh, like yeah. the biggest obstruction in the history of mankind. Like we've seen some dodgy ones get called up, and then the one that is like so clearly an obstruction, it's just, it's how I don't understand how. How do we look at that on a video and think Mitchell Moses had any choice? His vision was like. Inside, as the ball left the inside hands, kick out was literally on him. And like people go, oh, he made the choice. Making the choice is like coming in to make the tackle. Even if he stood still, he would have been bowled over. He was just, there was a player there. He put his hands out. Like such a bad call. And, and I like, it's not good for para fans, but what is good for the game is the fact that Penrith were so clearly the better side. It didn't affect the result. But you've got to look at that and, and the refs have got to look at that and go, that was shocking. That was a shocker. If the game was in the balance at that stage, like it would have been, you know, every bit as bad as the six again Raiders yeah. one. Like it would have gone down in rugby league infamy, yeah. folklore uh, as a result because it was so wrong. It was so... Like, how many stupid ones have we pulled up where it's like, no way that's an obstruction. Mm. No way. And then one that everyone agrees... That is a clear-cut obstruction. Outside shoulder, he hits him before he even can see what's happening, and then they, oh. they go one replay, boom, try. It just, it just blows my mind. Um, you know, and I'm sure there'll be non-Eels fans out there going, well, they got a forward pass last week, but two bad calls don't make a right mm. call. You know, we're, which, that was a wrong call last week with the forward pass. It's a wrong call this week um, This week in regards to the, the obstruction. Um, anyway, frustrating. Frustrating. Especially like the forward pass one, like I think it was forward, but it wasn't as forward as I thought originally. And they can't really call it on a video replay anyway. Mm. Whereas that one, it was blatant. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Now, now there's been chat about bringing in forward pass technology. Oh, fuck, sometimes I feel like, have we ever had this many issues with forward passes? I, don't, I can't recall a season where we've had this many forward yeah. passes and gone... Because like, there isn't even an argument with the try. I think the kick-out try that it was a forward pass. I don't want to slow the game down anymore. And that's the thing. If we bring it, you know, everyone wants forward pass technology until it's here and every try takes another two minutes to mm. go because we're drawing lines and the fucking screens and we yeah. it'll take forever. And that's what we hate about rugby league when there's so many stoppages. So I don't know. I, I think that I think forward passes, there's going to be close ones. And I unfortunately think it's part of our game. Yeah. But like, you know, we've got two touchies there. Like just yeah. nail it. Eventually, the game will be run by robots because we're just we we. I think that like the more we move into technology, and I think technology is good. I don't want to get rid of all of it. I think the more refs just go, I'm just gonna fucking 
I'm just going to wipe my hands of it, put it up to the video ref or whatever, so that I don't have to say, make this tough call. Which maybe it's the right thing. Maybe it's improving the correct calls. But I, I, I think know. Guru's right. It, like, and you both, like, they will go upstairs for four passes every time just to oh. be safe, and it'll slow it up way too much. So for the sake of the occasional forward pass uh, being an incorrect call with refs every which way looking at it, oh. I'm happy to cop. A few bad ones yeah. if it means not slowing down a game that much more. But if I'm a referee, I'm sending everything upstairs because I know what's going to happen if it, if people at home get to sit and watch five yeah. replays and watch it in slow motion, <laughs> they decide it's forward. The NRL is going to come out on Monday, bend over and say, NRLs, the referees, they fucked it up. Yeah. We got to watch it in slow motion instead of at real time yeah. and we've decided he made a mistake. Yeah. I, I'll cop the forward passes. It's the like clear obstructions on a video replay mm. where I'm going, uh, hang on a sec here. Like that, we can all see it. You've got an opportunity to turn, overturn the try. Um, okay, so uh, in regards to, I mean, I think we've kind of pretty much spoken about it and everything. Like the Penrith Panthers were just way better and every single player played outstanding. I thought Tungwell was great. I thought Staines was great. Um, Hasn't Staines come a long way? Good yeah. on him. Like I, I, honestly, 18 months ago, I wouldn't have trusted him in round one coming out of his own end. I think he's just improved out of sight and he might not be at the Brian Toto levels but he used to be a guy that you could you could bend back and send back every single time he's just not anymore I think it's been really impressive to see how he's improved over the last year he used to just be the fastest guy on the field and that yeah. was it he's added so much more <coughs> to his game um, I mean we'll talk quickly Dylan Edwards wins Clive Churchill is there a more deserving bloke oh. is there a more deserving bloke I was saying to Matty before like when he got it like I just felt emotional mm. Like, just seeing, like, a guy that, you know, and I, I, I thought I'd be coming in here and saying, I thought he'd never play for the Kangaroos. He still fucking might, uh, might not, unbelievably. I'm surprised he didn't make that squad. I mean, like, I, like, if he hasn't made it the morning after he won the Clive Churchill medal, I think there's a really good chance he never plays rep football. Yeah, because it's like... I wonder when the last time, if ever, the Dalian winner and the Clive Churchill winner didn't make the kangaroos do you think mal meninga is sitting there going okay well i've got care months who can play fullback i've got valentine holmes that can play fullback um i've got latrell do you think that's what even jackie whiten jackie whiten because like i think i I think the one spot that you could have put edwards in is probably the regan campbell gillard one and then relied on the fact that you would have you know more centers. I even just think, like, even if Mal, maybe he's not the perfect guy to have there because he doesn't cover a heap of positions, but just to show other players that mm. you play well enough, you earn this. You and that, that's been the, like, I remember um, 2005 grand final, Scott Prince got man of the match. He was named in the Kangaroos. <coughs> they didn't need him. Yeah. They did not need another well, halfback. What's in that crazy team. is the Dally M and the Clive Churchill is not in the Australian oh, squad. It's crazy. Which is a bit surprising. And you quite often find that when you give these guys, like, like Craig Fitzgibbon, he made his kangaroos debut after he got man of the match in the 02 grand final, and he never left the team. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not saying Edwards would have been that guy, but when you give these guys opportunities that deserve it, I don't know, I, I feel very hard done by. I, I think Dylan Edwards. Edwards deserved to be in that squad. Like, the year that he has had, and, and like, I mean, we spoke about it only early in the year, but... I think right now, like obviously Pappenhausen, we have to wait to see when he comes back. And I think Pappenhausen's almost a forgotten man now, unfortunately, the poor bloke with the injury. But let's just say, you know, for some reason, Pappenhausen just isn't there. I've got to say, Dylan Edwards is the next man up at fullback. I really do. I, I, don't, I don't think they play anyone else. If, if Adokar is injured, uh, sorry, if Teddy is injured next year, game one origin, I think they play Dylan Edwards. 
I'll say to these two before before you got here, in the history of the Clive Churchill medal since 1986, only four guys ever have got it that haven't played for the Kangaroos. Mm. One of them, Sam Burgess, obviously. Yep. The other three have been the last three years. Nathan Cleary, Dillard, Edwards, Pappenhausen. And Cleary would have played. He would have. It wasn't for COVID. Yeah. But it's crazy that every other player yeah. on that list has played for the Kangaroos <coughs> other than Sam Burgess that couldn't. And so it's, it's really be, two, because Cleary would have paid. Cleary played. would have, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, pa- Pappy and Edwards, I'd like to think that one of them will play for yeah. the Kangaroos. But if they never do... Crazy. It's Crazy. not going to be that shocking. Yeah. I hope they – I hope – I absolutely hope they do. Um, yeah, uh, so Dylan Edwards, really, really rewarding. Brian Toll for me, was number two. Number three, honestly, the third best player for me, it could have been given to 1-17 to 17 outside of those other two guys. I th- like, you could have had Cleary there. You could have had Liam Martin there. You could have had Isaiah Yo. I mean – it's just you could have, have Lino, boy Leota there, I think. Yeah, Leota, huge, yeah. mate. Le- Leota's first twenty minutes. Fisher Harris is is the star. He's he's the star of that forward pack. But I tell you what, the, it's almost like Fisher Harris is the big dog. He's the big front row. He's, he's the alpha. But I, I, sometimes I look at maybe Leota's like the undercover alpha. You know what I mean? Because he's the one snapping blokes, and and you don't hear a peep. And usually the bloke you don't hear a peep out is the scariest bloke. Um, and so, incredible. Leota and Fisher-Harris, what a front row pairing. And they, they really don't get the raps they deserve. They really don't. And like you, you, you look at the, you know, the four starting front rowers and if you put them like in a skill test sort of thing, the Parramatta boys would blow the Penrith Panthers front rowers mm. off the park. But when it comes to those alpha moments and just owning the really rough and tumble stuff, I mean... For me, it was a knockout victory. Knockout victory for the for the uh, and look, it's a mixture of the tough thing is 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 even every single one to seventeen, every single player, every time they ran the ball for the Penrith Panthers, won the contact. So it's impossible to to get any momentum. I, I mentioned before that Spencer Lee knew he played twenty one minutes. He ran for a hundred meters. Junior and Regan they ran for one hundred and six and eighty four meters in that grand final. And I think, you know, I'm not bagging the Parramatta boys. I think credit to the Penrith Panthers. They just suffocated them out of it. Every time they got the ball, they were exhausted. Yeah, it's just what an incredible performance. An absolutely incredible performance. Now, um, we will quickly go through um, the Kangaroo squad and the Kiwi squad. Um, Because what we'll do is we'll quickly go through it, but then we'll probably speak more about the World Cup next week, guys, because we're going to go through a review of the the top eight sides, a season review of the top eight sides. Um, But anyway, the official kangaroo squad, Addo Carr, Matt Burton. Oh, Burton over Edwards. That's a tough. And Hines. And Hines as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I fucking think Burton's incredible, but... Jeez, that's tough. Um, It'd just be the cover in the back line. Yeah, for sure. But it's still like, you've got Clive Churchill, you won player of the year. Like Dylan Edwards won player of the year at the best side, arguably the best side we've ever seen. And especially when you look at Burton and you go, the reason why he played Origin was because he could play on the left side and he had that left boot. Surely Latrell Mitchell's the left centre. Yeah, yeah. Like mm. he's there purely. So you, I, I think you'd be crazy to play Burton at right centre. So you're going to move Latrell to that side if you're going to play Burton. I don't. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> um, anyway, massive congratulations to Burton. That's no knock on Burton. Mm. It's um, incredible. Regan Campbell Gillard, Paddy Carrigan, DCE Cleary, Collins, Lindsay Collins, Ruben Cotter, Angus Crichton, Tino Fasua Malawi, Campbell Graham. So happy with that. The big fella. Which is interesting because if Burton's there for the cover for a centre, you've got another centre anyway. You've got Campbell Graham. So Burton, and Jack. 
and Jack as well. So your, your centers are covered. Uh, maybe he's there to cover a six role for Munster because I don't think there's any other sixes there, but DCE could play. Anyway, Harry Grant, Valentine Holmes, Ben Hunt, Liam Martin, Latrell Mitchell, Cam Munster, Cam Murray, Nanai, Tuolangi, Tedesco, Travojevic, that's Jake Travojevic, Jackie Wyden, Isaiah Yo, Stan White, Dylan Edwards, Hines, Cook. Um, yeah, kind of already said our thoughts on on uh, a few. I thought I think Edwards and uh, Hine, very unlucky, very very unlucky. I put it this way because I would have said with Burton, like mate, you're going to be a part of the squad. Like you've got plenty of years left in you. Like mm. we'll bring these. Um, but in saying that, like Burton's potential long term, it's pretty fucking incredible. Mm. Yeah, pretty we just mentioned incredible. like all those guys that picked at centre. Obviously, it looks like Dan Gagai's career is a kangaroo's probably done and dusted that's been yep. one hell of an era for him um yeah and like the, the the list that i've got it's got an asterisk next to all the guys that haven't played for the kangaroos burton carrigan cleary collins cotter Crichton, <coughs> tino graham grant liam martin nanai tolungi isaiah far out like you can make a team out of debutants essentially that's crazy um okay now the uh new zealand rugby league squad nelson asafa solomon up jesse bromwich kenny bromwich Dylan Brown, Fisher Harris, Foran, Hiku, Jerome Hughes, Sebastian Chris, Moses Leota, Isaac Liu, Joey Manu, Jeremy Marshall King, Ronaldo Molotalo, Charles Nicoclustad, Britton Nakora, Marata Niakore, Isaiah Papali'i, Jordan Rapana, Brandon Smith, Scott Sorensen, Tarpanir, Warrior Hargreaves, Wateni Zelezniak. It's a fucking fair squad. It's a great squad. It's a fair. I would still have Australia's favourites, but I would not have New Zealand that far behind. They're paying like five or six bucks. It's crazy. It's insanity. Seriously? Insanity. I would. I wouldn't have Australia as short as they've got it, which mm. is like a dollar fifty or some oh. shit like that, which is outrageous. But is I that how short they are. I think they're a dollar, two dollars max. Maybe no, they were like a dollar fifty or sixty, like max. Yeah, it and was. At, I saw that. They were like, Jesus. Yeah. Did, did I hear Smithy talking with you the other day that? If they win all their games, New Zealand and Australia will play in the, the semi. Semi. <coughs> Australia are dollar forty-five. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That is so ridiculous. How can you look at this Kiwi squad and say that Australia are dollar forty-five? Who knows? Now maybe they come out and blitz everyone, but they're, they're favourites for me, but not that big of favourites. Jeez, um, exciting times! What an incredible World Cup we have coming up. Um, We've kind of spoken about Para next year. I mean, Penrith next year. You know what's crazy? Can we see him going three in a row? I said a few weeks ago that I think next year is going to be the biggest test of Ivan Cleary's career. I think with Appy and Kigali, it is going to be a massive test. But as I said before, I can't doubt him. Um, I, for me personally, they go into next year, as of now, favourites to win. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Yeah. Like, what other squad has really recruited that much where you're going, fuck, like, that's going to... Yeah, it's going to be Roosters. interesting next year because, like, like, if you had to name your top four for next year, mm. like, Roosters getting all, you know, hopefully with a full squad. South Sydney, if they have Latrell for the whole season, Manly will get Turbo back. Um, you know, the Cowboys and the Sharks going to do what they did again this year. It's, it's going to be a really heated top four. I mean, if Canberra, if they can not start like a busted... There'll be another side that can be there about. So Bron- Broncos don't finish like a busted. <laughs> well, I mean, we thought they were going to be a top four team, yeah, but they, they were. They were. I bloody sitting in it, and then they <laughs> fucking fell out of it. Geez, you copped a hide at the show with the Bronx yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> that's tough too. Like, especially like 
it's weird because like teams can finish below us, but because of the dramatic fashion the Broncos fell out, there's not much you can say. <laughs> there's not much you can say. Um, so you, you you would have been better off sitting in eleventh all year. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. Giving you any shit about well, it. Well, it would have been seen as a successful year. Yeah. Because we went from fucking fourteenth to eleventh. <laughs> improvement. Yeah. <laughs> we're in top four, and now anyway. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, the losses are Penrith, uh, Api Coruscant. Uh, Katoa, Dolphins. Katoa is one of the rising stars, but I don't think, you know, Cleary and Jerome have got that locked down. Robert Jennings, Dolphins. Hopgood to the Eels. Sean O'Sullivan to Dolphins. It's going to be interesting depth in the halves for them if they get any injuries. But look, I think if there's one team that has depth, it's fucking the team that just won every single premiership they can. <laughs> Incredible. Four premierships. First team ever. First club ever to win all four. SG Ball, Jersey Flag, New South Wales Cup, and the whole cup because they beat Q Cup as well. Towed them up. They're a good the side NRL. too, Norths. Yeah. They've won two premierships in a row up there. And got towed. Like it was like, what, 38 nil or something with like 20 to go? Or, <laughs> mate, absolutely towed. You can even throw in the minor premiership. Yeah. Won that as well. So they've, yeah. they've won six things. Crazy. <laughs> as you said, though, like it will be it. Like, I mean, the last two seasons in a row, they've had to turn to a reserve halfback or 5'8 to finish the season for them. Mm. They have to <laughs> next year. Katoa would have been the next guy. Well, Sean O'Sullivan would have been next. He's gone. Katoa's gone as well. So it will be interesting to see who they – like, I feel like I watch every junior competition in the fucking world. I don't even know who they're going <laughs> to turn yeah. to next year. So it'll be interesting to see. Whoever it is, you know they'll be an absolute weapon. Yeah. And, I mean, they'll just go onto the mark if they have to, like yeah. they did with Sean O'Sullivan. Brought him over from Warriors, I think. Uh, uh, Gaines, Luke Garner, and Hosking. Um, so, yeah, they're changes. I still have them as favourites. I still have them as the powerhouse of the NRL right now. Um What's crazy is like they had Talon May out as well. He's so crucial to them and like didn't skip a beat. Did no not one skip spoke a beat. about it. They moved oh. their right winger to the left. Can you imagine any <laughs> other team swapping their wingers and we don't even talk about it? Literally don't even talk about it. Oh, anything, man. they might have been better because they swapped their wings. Like crazy, was, yeah, because yeah. he got tot on his. Um, okay, just quickly with the yields, we've been speaking about it. Their gains, Hodgson, Hopgood, uh, Mosia, Gerard Mosia, Mimosia. Mm. Um, losses Niakore Papali'i Kofusi Marni Raystone Opacek Hayes Perham Release Dave Hollis Release um, Real touch and go year For the Eels It's going to be Really really interesting To see how they Bounce back from Such a disappointing loss um, And for a team That is You know So inconsistent anyway At the best of times I still think that oh, Will they be as dominant? I just need to see Hodgson. Mm. But in regards to the review of the year, rather than a preview, um, you know, they won f uh, four of their first five, um, went through a bit of a lull through the middle of the year. But when you really look at it, like it wasn't that bad. It was just, it wasn't as good as you would have wanted. And then outside of Penrith, in their last like eight games or whatever, they won like seven of eight of their last games. Um, look, season review, I thought it was an incredible year for the Eels. I think Brad Arthur has proven that he is the guy to take him forward. Okay, yes, there was a dominant display by the Panthers in the grand final, but I think that um, Brad Arthur against any other team, maybe they get close to getting the job done. It is crazy like that middle part of the season, round six to round 20. They went loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, win. It's, it's crazy that they managed to 
just hit finals and then suddenly find some form and win a couple of games on the trot. Well, it's like round... Um, just to be fair, after round 20, they did get pretty consistent. They only lost three games after that, including the grand final. Yeah, round but 22, they lose 26-0 at home to the uh, South Sydney. And then after that, they go on a run pretty much outside of obviously the dominant, loss. Depending. Dominant the entire way through that run as well. Outside yeah. of that South Sydney loss. And you say what you will about their inconsistency. They found form and they needed to at the business end of the season. And yep. it got them to a grand final. So, yeah. <coughs> Anything else? We've kind of spoken about the Eels a fair bit, but incredible year. Yeah, just one. Like, isn't it? Like, they beat Penrith twice during the regular season. And, like, you look at, you know, all teams in this competition, they all have bogey teams. So, consistently, it's a worry for them. And, sorry, this is more about Penrith than Parramatta, but isn't it crazy that it's their blatant bogey team and they'll just beat them twice in four weeks in yeah. finals, convincingly? It's insane. They just yeah, the eels are such an enigma. You don't know what. Um, I hope they do that. All year they're the only team that can beat this mob. They had two shots at it in four weeks, and you know, yeah. without taking it away from Parramatta, it didn't really fire a shot against them. Convincingly beat both times. Well, it's interesting. It's twenty-seven eight last time, and then this time it was twenty-eight twelve. So it's like not even close. Crazy. Um, yeah. So great year. I think this is. Um, Great for Eels fans. Like, just seeing the amount of Eels fans out there, holy. So, it's good to see them excited, back on board with the boys. Um, hopefully, they go one better. Again, the only concern is, is, look, if Hodgson comes and plays as good as he can, then their spine is just as good. Um, it'll just be that Papali'i. be interesting to see. It's, it's funny. It's, the Panthers and the Eels are kind of in the same position, losing an edge back rower and losing a nine. So, it'll be interesting to see how each team deals with that. Um, now on to the uh, Cowboys season review um, how interesting four points the difference they could have been in a grand final um, but I, I don't not look they would have loved to make a grand final but if they had made the grand final I, I don't see it being any different I really think the Penrith Panthers put a score on every single side in the competition May, maybe if the Roosters played like the best that they could possibly play if you looked at their team on paper but you know, Roosters got bounced, what, first week of the final, so it's like... And they lost so many players from that South Sydney debacle to suspension, it would have been half a Roosters yeah. team showing up anyway. But even that, even that, the Penrith Panthers yeah. would have dominated them. Um, but Cowboys season, um, Captains Townsend, Taumalolo, biggest home crowd was 25,000, average home crowd was 18,000, top point scorer, Valentine Holmes, he actually broke um, Thurston's record. Top try scorer, uh, Tuolungi, uh, 19 tries. Uh just a really consistent year. Um, you know, a lot of their losses, the good thing about their losses, even though there's not really any good things, all of their losses except for in the first four, uh, five games of the season were against top eight sides. So they lost to Canterbury and Warriors in the first five games. And then outside of that, they lost to Penrith, Cronulla, Roosters, South Sydney and Parramatta which shows just such good development, it shows consistency. It shows you that like they're not going to lose games against teams that they shouldn't be losing games to. Um, and it shows you it took a while to, to get kicked into gear. But that's the one thing that like, I guess was frustrating from an Eels perspective is they were losing games to like bottom of the table teams. Whereas there's so much to build off with the Cowboys here because they're just consistent so you know what you can you know what you're going to get each week so you know the little things that you need to take in out of way to be better thoughts on the Cowboys season 
It's crazy how it started, isn't it? Like, you look at the Canterbury Bulldogs, they won one from their first seven games, and week one they went to North Queensland and beat the Cowboys. Mm. And I just sat there and went, okay, all of our preseason predictions about the Cowboys look fucking spot on. Yeah. This Bulldog side that hasn't picked a halfback <coughs> or a fullback in their team has gone up there and dusted them. Uh, and then, yeah, it just all turned around after that. I was thinking about the other night, what, what, watching the Daly M's, like, imagine if at the start of the year I said to you the Cowboys would fill up two tables at the Daly M's. Yeah. Be- Not a hope in hell. Yeah. And to have their coach up there, yeah, like as far as like the, the most important person in rugby league this year as far as the team goes, probably have to be Todd Payton, wouldn't it? The impact that he's had just on this club and the different, like even the way that, that these guys all just just carry themselves. They've just found a new confidence this year. It's a completely different footy side. Yeah. Timmy, thoughts on Cowboys? Yeah, they just – Toddy Payton, I think he was such a deserving coach of the year. Uh, and he's just his ability to take – even borderline NRL players and turning them into representative players or like in the debates and they're just hard to find a weakness in their side all season. Now, the challenge for next year will be, all right, how do we go to the next level? But you look at teams with upside or teams that are on the up and and it's the North Queensland Cowboys. Mm. Um, I I don't see – just he's just built in such a short time, such an incredible culture and amount of self-belief in that squad. You got every game, whether they're behind by – you know, 15 with 10 to go or whatever it might be, nothing seems too daunting for them. Um, I can't wait for them next year because I think it's only onwards and upwards. It's going to be interesting because I think that, you know, by all reports, it was one of the hardest pre-seasons they've ever done. And, you know, they've got these like ruthless standards now. One thing that you have to find the balance with squads is like you can't redline all the time. And so I think Todd's going to have to find a balance between – you don't want to overtrain the boys. Like it's it's not easy, but like how often have we seen teams come out and they go crazy good for one year and it was all because of this one good preseason. They get to next year, they're all fatigued, they don't have the same energy, they've they're in the top four now, so that's not as desperate, they're not as hungry. And so it's finding the balance between not overtraining them and bashing them too much, but also making sure that standards have been set at this club now and we do not drop off below them. Um you know, it's a good example is kind of like the Rabbitohs. Obviously, they win that 2014 grand final. Michael Maguire, re- renowned as one of the toughest trainers there are in rugby league, and they petered out massively after that. Like, so much so he was gone by, what, 2016? Yep. And so it's that fine balance of putting everything on the line to win a premiership, but also you can't keep at that level because players just start breaking down. And it's also a fine line of, you know, obviously not, you know, the whole squad falling into a heap like South City did. But you look at the Roosters in the early 2000s, like Ricky Stewart put them through the most brutal pre-seasons of all time. They won in 02. But then you talk to any of those Roosters players, they get to the 03 and the 04 grand final, they all say the same thing. We were gassed. We had nothing left in the tank. And, Mm. you know, like you you look at this Panthers side now, the way that we're talking about them, how they've been to three grand finals, they won two premierships. No one talks about that early 2000 Roosters side when they went to three and won one. Mm. And there's like, if you don't win it on that big day, if you're not tapering for that big moment, which unfortunately, I think that was a big problem with the Cowboys this year. You look at their defence throughout the regular season, conceded 15 points per game. Finals, it was 27. Yeah, and that's that's why I brought up this fatigue factor. Yeah. You know, having been a part of pre-seasons, it's like, it's such a hard balance because everything Todd did was so, so good. But they, they didn't have the same defence in finals as they did during the year. And you look in the regular season... They conceded 30 more points than Penrith did this year. 
which over is over 24 games. Yeah. It's one point. That's the one thing that Penrith deserve. Sorry to talk about Penrith again, but the the wraps they deserve for their strength and conditioning program is otherworldly. They have like no long-term injuries at, in any of their players for three years. That's unheard of. It's unheard of. And they're all fitter, faster, stronger than everyone. It is incredible, their, um, their thing. So um, just back to the Cowboys. So I don't believe that they are going to redline and, and peter out. Uh, it's more we have to talk about potential negatives as well. We can't just sit here and just go, oh, it's fucking great. They're going to be perfect and life's, you know, that's not how life works. But it, it is a concern that they got into the finals and leaked quite a lot of points. Um, but overall as a year, incredible. Absolutely incredible. The standards, the culture. Uh, you can... You know when you can just see a team when they're like together that 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 they're a unit, and then some other teams that you look at and you go, they just don't have that same vibe. You can't really pinpoint it. There's no specific thing that happens. It's just a vibe of like they're an outfit and they they're a unit that moves together. They work together and they they all believe in the same direction. And I think that's what is instilled in this Cowboys side. They they stand up a bit straighter. You know, they're a bit more. Everything is is more. Everything is. Uh, more uh, just more belief behind themselves mm. i can't wait to see them come out next year because if they handle it correctly it's only up it's only up we spoke about it a few weeks ago as well but get a pro-season into Lailua, <coughs> start him on that left edge could be nanai like, nanai on one side Lailua oh, sorry, on the other nanai. side nanai's um a teenager yeah imagine when he gets some more man strength and more gym into him he will be a monster on the edge lukey coming back yeah heal him lukey it is a gun a hundred percent like it's oh, mate they they're not even really losing that they're losing um I mean, they're a, losing an origin player in gilbert no one's even spoken about yeah and like look gilbert i love the work he gets through really tough but i don't think he's going to be like a huge huge loss in regard like he will be with all the cleanup work and the tough, don't don't get me wrong, he impacts that side and he does a good job. But it's not like they're losing Papaliti. Mm. They're not losing Coruscant. They're not losing fucking Kikau. You know, they're losing a very good, strong battler. But once again, if you would have said at the start of the year, at the end of this year, the Cowboys will lose a Queensland representative, you would have gone, oh, fuck, what yeah. is happening up there? Well, they're probably going to lose for me, so that's one player they're probably going to lose. Um, actually, we'll talk about that. So, Hamiso, is there a world where they get to keep Hamiso? Oh, I think it's in his best interest to leave. To leave. Realistically. I can't see a world like, how does he break into that side? Especially when, you know, we've spoken about this a bit, like what is his best position? Is he a, Does he get through enough work to be a fullback? Is he, I guess, big, does he get through the work that a centre needs to get through? Is he good under the high ball, et cetera, for the wing? He's almost too athletic for his own good like it's it's you want to have him with the ball in hand as much as possible but then you look at a guy like scotty drinkwater whose hands are so incredible you can't replace that i think he'd be i think it'd be great for him to get under wayne bennett chuck him in at fullback down there and he would turn into it absolutely i mean he already is a superstar mm. so i think they probably lose hamiso yeah i worry he's maybe a little bit too one-dimensional at this point of his career to play fullback yeah okay where would you put him can't answer that. Yeah, like, really. Probably wing. Inside, mate, I, I, like, I remember when Queensland picked him at centre last year and I just sat there and went defensively, there's not a hope in hell he's going to be able to handle this. Mm. Marked up against Turbo and did a really good job. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think he offers enough at fullback as far as his entire – he might be the fastest <coughs> guy on the field, but fullback is so much Do you reckon they could now. get a bit of reps into him ball playing in that down to the Dolphins? I, I think if you were to sign him as a fullback, I'd be bringing someone in to help him. Yeah, yeah, getting Billy in there or something if yeah. you could. 
Um, but in regards to the season review, any any players that stood out for you, or Timmy, any players that stood out for you? Um, I mean, just one. Maddie's very uh, put the hard yards in and dropped a few notes for the season. The one that slipped under my radar was that Scotty Drinkwater ended up equal third on the Dally M count. Yeah, equal fourth. fourth. Holy dool. Uh, who do you, who would equal again? Um, Edwards, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. What a season. What is, and like it's you know not getting talked about that much. I think he he just resigned too, didn't he, Scotty Drinkwater? Or it was reported that he resigned. Um, yeah. Till 27. What, he what wasn't a get. In the team at the start of the year. Yeah, he was literally, they were battling at six for that role. But actually, it's funny, I spoke to him on the red carpet and I said, Oh, you know, you're, you're battling it um, with Tom Dearden, and then obviously you didn't get that role, but then you came in at fullback and played really well. And he was like, Oh, well, I signed the, to the club as a fullback. So, um, which, which made me think like he clearly doesn't, he, he wants to be fullback. He doesn't want to be a six, which is, um, which is really interesting. It's, uh, like how often, for ex- you know, he sometimes struggled with defence. And it's, a lot of fans would be like, far out, Scotty. Like, you know, make your tackles or whatever. And what you don't realise is that he's not even a six. He's just doing it because the coach has put him there. And I think there's a lot, of, a lot of times, even I'm guilty of it, where I don't realise, like, the coach has made him do certain things that he, you know, isn't even signed to do that. He's a fullback. Um, but Scott Drinkwater was an absolute revelation. In regards to ball playing, like, I'd probably have a trell at the top. But for me, he'd probably be the second best ball playing fullback in the competition, specifically just about ball playing, um, which is something special to have in today's game. Yeah, I, I think his pass on on both sides of the field is <laughs> close to unmatched outside of Latrell. Yeah, some of the passes able to throw. The other one, obviously, is Ruben Cotter. Uh, the season that he has has been <laughs> incredible. To think, like he just got named in a kangaroo squad. We didn't even mention his name. Yeah, we didn't even talk about it because <laughs> it was just assumed that Ruben Cotter was going to be there. Yeah. It's crazy. like he's, you know, he do, he dominated Origin. He's just, I know my memory must be not the best, but I'm trying to think of a front rower that's been his size. Guru, did, did you mention him in the preseason or something that he might? might Don't recall. You? <laughs> <laughs> not not some big play pool? the tape, Matty. Play the tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, one of the best predictions all time, baby. <laughs> nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Um, see. I when you when you said that you you predicted that he'd play Origin, I thought more along the lines of the battler that Queensland picks. Like you know mm-hmm. how Queensland loves to pick a battler that you go, hang on a sec, like Origin him. I didn't think that he'd be getting picked as like an explosive front rower to to break a game open. Nor did I, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. And that's exactly what he turned into. Incredible stuff. So Ruben Cotter was amazing for the for the Cowboys and it's a testament again to T- Todd Payton's uh, coaching ability. Um, Robson, you know, he got a part of the New South Wales wider squad. You know, when you look at all this, you look at Drinkwater relatively young, Cotter relatively young, Robson relatively young, um, Tamalolo is still only about 29 years old Like there's a lot of room for growth here for the Cowboys A lot of room for gro- gro- uh, growth I was just thinking before when we were talking about uh, Leilua He's going to have to spend a lot of time as a middle next year Because mm. Luke will come Even if he plays his bench role again 50 odd minute bench mm. role He's too good to be playing less than 50 <laughs> minutes Helen Lukey yep. So he'll come on an edge No no I'll play 80 minutes on the edge So Leilua has to play middle Yeah that's interesting I wonder how they're going to Or do you Does Helen Lukey beef up a bit and go in the middle? Yeah, I don't think it's that cut and dry, to be honest with you. You reckon they play Lukey in the middle? I wouldn't be surprised. Or less minutes. Or less minutes, yeah. I, I think that Leilua's, I mean, the hands that he's able to use on that left edge, I, I think that he'd be my first choice left edge. Tell you right. what, 
bloody good position to be in to do that. Oh, because unreal. You, you said, mentioned Cotter this year. Uh, Cotter's Nanai, who played Origin. I think Luke, you could, could play next year. Well, there's rumours yeah. around that they might be signing James Tamo as well. Yeah. Cowboys. So if he ends up there, I don't know if Lukey's going to be in this side. I'm dreaming. I hope they do sign Tamo out for Tamo's sake. Yep. I want him to go out with a good squad that, I don't know, I, to see him go out like that. He's been too good of a servant to the game to go out the way that the whole Tigers thing happened. Um, and I actually think he'd be great for, for a bit of depth for, for the Cowboys. Mm. Um, especially off the bench, bring him on 20 minutes in the middle, just go hard, mate, bring you off. He'd still have that in easy. Mm. Um, but in regards to a review, uh, Leilua gets brought to the club, you know, mid-year. That was a fantastic signing. Um, Peter Hiku, we spoke about him last week. What an incredible year. Yeah, I think he ended up being, he ran for the second most metres of any, he actually had the most touches of any player in the comp, didn't he? Most runs? I think he had like the most runs of any player. Um, or at least maybe of centres, anyway. Um, outside of that, incredible year for the for the Cowboys. Yeah, so he was fourth overall, but the top three were Edwards, Teddy, Guther. Okay, for so... What, sorry, for runs. Just runs, yeah. Centre. Yeah. <laughs> crazy, crazy. That's like, What a year by Hiku. What a season. And he just not even getting talked about. Shows you how good this Cowboys side is. Uh, Holmes was outstanding. So, look... Great year from the Cowboys. So much to be excited for too. It's not like they've got this old aging roster and they've got to be, you know, I feel like Dearden would be learning so much off Townsend to eventually take over the role of being the guy. Um, yeah, so just great, great stuff by the Cowboys. Well done. One seventeen, lost seven, scores 633, conceded 361. And they will be interesting. Like if they back it up next year and have another top four season, the year after that they'll be able to go into the market as a... Yeah. Established top four team, which is where it could get very interesting. Okay, now on to the Rabbitohs. Um, look, they lose Nichols. They lose Cody Nikarima. Um, they gained Saluka Fafita and Richard Kenner. Uh, captains Cam Murray, Latrell Mitchell, Cody Walker. Obviously, Cam Murray was the main captain. Uh, this year for them, what an amazing finish to the year. What a if you ever need, I mean, look, you, you saw Tom Travojevic last year of what he brought to the table in regards to, you know, Manly being no hope to all of a sudden being premiership threats. Latrell Mitchell just proved that this year for the Rabbitohs that, like, without him at fullback, they are, you know, they probably would have struggled a bit. Um, it's their fifth prelim in a row, fourth loss in that time, eighth prelim in 11 years. Uh, Demetrio, we all agree, broke the Bennett curse. Um, how did you see Timmy? How did you see the Rabbitohs season? Yeah, it's one of the the great turnarounds from from what they were to do with the trail coming back, and I think we all know how much of a freak the trail Mitchell is. But he went to just a new level this year to do it week in, week out, and pretty well on his own shoulders. He carried aside not only to the finals but to a preliminary final mm. because there. Were, Every argument that with their run home, where they were sitting on the table mid-season, they weren't even going to make the eight. Yeah. So, I, like, I, there were some great performances from individuals this season, but South Sydney's season for me will always be remembered for just Latrell Mitchell and what he did. And it's exciting going into the future with you, Latrell. How old's Latrell? Twenty-four, I think. Twenty-four. <laughs> twenty-five. Sorry, twenty-five. Twenty-five. Like that's terrifying because yeah. his game is improving every time he plays. Mm. Um, and I just think 
he's shown a lot of games together in the back end of this season, a full pre-season next year. If he can just stay fit, uh, like we could have something really, really special next year with that bloke. Yeah, I, I hope he comes back in real fit, Nick. I hope, I hope, like, if he comes back really fit, like ready to go, we could see one of the all-time seasons. Yeah. We really, really could. Um, and the good thing is he goes into this off-season relatively injury-free to my understanding, no surgeries needed, none of that. Let him have his rest or whatever, get him in a preseason, get him super fit, maybe work on a few things positionally, um, fullback-wise. Um, That's the scary thing. There are areas that he needs clear improvement in. Yeah. Yet he's still one of the best footballers in the game. <laughs> one of the best footballers. I mean, in my opinion, he's one of the best footballers I've seen play. Mm. Like, I, the things, if you go watch the highlight reel and, you know, him at his best, like, is he, you know, has he been consistent, like, super consistent as in, like, eight out of ten every week? No, some weeks he can be a little bit quiet. But, again, I agree with you. I think this year he really showed that he's gone from a young guy that will step into games when he wants to to – the back end of the year, he was everything for the Rabbitohs and it was every single week. It took, in my opinion, a massive shot from Leota to really quieten him down in that last game. Mm. Um, outside of the last game and maybe one game against the Roosters where they did a job on him, it wasn't really Latrell's you know, fault, he was probably the best player on the field nearly every week, mm. which is amazing. What do you think about the Rabbitohs season? Yeah, I mean, we've spoken about it a lot this year, obviously. Demetri, I think it's incredible what he's done. I think we could talk about it all day and still not probably appreciate it completely, what he's done. The other one that you didn't mention on their gains, which I I, I don't know what, when he arrived, but Isaac Thompson as well. Mm. Like, he's going to be yeah. a really good guy to have yeah, next season. Rizzi's. Like, I, I sort of look at their team and I, I look back, and we, me and Matty spoke about it a few weeks ago, you look back at that grand final last year, like, they had Paulo and um, AJ on their wings. I mean, you have a look at this Panther side that's won the last two comps and how many metres they get out of their back back three. Like, how on earth does South Sydney manage to compete with those sort of sides? Yeah. Then you bring a guy like Thompson who he can be a 160-metre average guy mm. every single week. Oh, I think he's going to be massive for them. And um, obviously you've got young Ilias. I thought he was fantastic this year. I thought he was great for them. It wasn't all smooth sailing. He had to learn a couple of hard lessons and whatnot, and he got you know kicked in the dick a couple of times and just came <laughs> back even better. So I'm very keen to see how he goes next year. You know, we've seen a lot of really good halfbacks over the years come in and have great seasons and struggle in their second season. Mm. Uh, it's just the reality of it. So I'm keen to see how South Sydney handle that. I think it's a lot easier when you've got an experienced nine and experienced six. And, you know, whilst he's a young fullback, a very experienced fullback as well. Mm. So I'm hoping Elias can really kick on this year yeah Ilias is going to be really interesting like we could have seen the birth of you know one of the next gun sevens that are coming through because his season you're, you know we've spoken about it but the ups the downs to stay calm to stay composed even when he had games where they were just sending traffic at him all week the next week he'd turn up um, another guy I want to give a massive shout out to I thought Keon Kolomatangi I thought his year was outstanding another guy that went from a young fella that had a great game here, solid game there, great game here, solid game there, to just a weapon every game. Every game he's a point of interest, a point of contact for the Rabbitohs to go to. Um, you know, he was outstanding. Harme Selly towards the end of the year, I think he's really going to fill the void of Nichols that's going to be missed. Um, you know, there's a lot to be excited for with the Rabbitohs and it's really the first time ever a club post-Wayne you can say – oh, no, they can still pull it all together and win a premiership in the next few years. Um, because they've got, like, Jai Arrow, I thought was outstanding as well uh, this season. 
You've got Tom Burgess. It's his last year of contract, so you, he's probably going to have a great year because he's, he's off contract. Um, Campbell Graham was outstanding, especially in the final series. There's a lot to like in this Rabbitoh side. I thought this year, like, it really it really showed the character of the Rabbitohs. You know what I mean? I think it's very easy to look at that Rabbitoh side and go, oh, look at Cody Walker with all that natural ability and look at that Latrell Mitchell with all that natural ability and we, we kind of offload their achievements to, oh, they're just these natural footy players. I think this year you got to see the character of the guys because things didn't go Cody's Walker's way this year. Things didn't go Latrell's way this year and yet they got to a prelim and fought all the way till the end. Now... You know, the last game, we I think, I think the grand final win by Penrith puts into context that Rabbitohs game now, where you go, hang on a sec, the Rabbitohs had them twelve nil down, mm. and so I, I thought it was a real good showing of character for a club and really good signs going forward. I think my my criticism going forward for them is just depth on the roster. I really do have concerns, and we saw it at, at stages this year that. Like if Latrell, if Latrell Mitchell goes down, or if either of the halves go down, I don't think they have a lot of options. Like in pretty all across the board. So they're 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 seventeen. Their best seventeen to run out in round one next year can can compete with anyone in the competition and beat them on their day. But injuries are inevitable, and they got fortunate enough this season in that once Latrell got back and they started winning all those games of footy, he stayed fit. Cody Walker, Ilias, Damien Cook all fit through the whole thing. Uh, Cam Murray had a good run aside for the couple of concussions. But if they lose even one of these players next year, I, I don't know that they have the quality to come in and replace them. Uh, and it's across the entire four pack as well. So if things do go a, a little bit hazy around the injury department, I worry how deep they can go next year. I, I will say, and I agree with you, you, you could look at that and see depth compared to some of the top-tier teams isn't as strong. I will say in the Rabbitohs' defence, they did show this year how well, how good they are developing players. Mm. Like Isaiah Tass came as a, essentially a reserve grader. By the end of the year, he was outstanding. Totola went to a new level. Like a lot of players, Keon went to a new level. So I think that I agree with you in regards when you look at that roster you go, wow, if they lose a player here or there, it might be tough. But... They have shown they can develop players. So it may be a matter of like, okay, maybe next year they might be a bit shallow, but maybe the year after that, when they've had in, in a whole year with those players, they've developed them into what they need to be. Because, um, again, how often do we ever see players play better under the coach after Wayne Bennett? Literally never. This is the first time, This is the first, which is a really good sign of development. Yeah, and, you know, just, just another little shout-out to... Um Jason Demetrio, Wayne Bennett left this club, started a new franchise, had a heap of money to throw at people. He's managed to sign one of these bunnies, Mark Nichols. Yeah. He's got Cody Nicarima as well, but Nicarima wasn't there yeah. when Wayne Bennett was there. So, I mean, you look at when Wayne Bennett left the Dragons and went to Newcastle, <coughs> Bo Scott, Jeremy Smith, uh, Alex Boyd. McKinnon, Darius Boyd, like the list goes on of guys that followed him up there. For him to be, only, to be able to pull one Mark Nichols away from this squad, I think that says a lot about what Jason's doing there. Yeah, uh, yeah. This this could have been a real fucking tough year and a tough period for the Rabbitohs. And I, you're right. I think that um, their main focus should probably be the second. I think that they're, the one to seventeen, obviously, you know, you need to focus on them. But they've they're kind of almost proven now. It's that depth that Timmy brought up that's probably going to need to be their focus of like, okay, 
how do you win premiership winning teams? Let's go look at the best. Penrith Panthers, their depth is absolutely off the charts. Um, let's try to get to that. Mm. So great year for the Rabbitohs. Really, really exciting stuff as well. Um, you know, now they've got what? Campbell Graham's Australian player. Cam Murray. Damien Cook has played for Australia. Latrell Mitchell has played for Australia. Jai Arrow's played for Australia. Was he in that squad? He was, wasn't he? Or? I don't think he was, no. Wow. Um, <clears throat> so that's exciting. Got quite a few Australian players, um, rep players. Yeah, well, Gyro's never represented the Kangaroos. Really? Okay, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah, really exciting. And also, you've got to remember, in their finals footy, and they, they were without Tom Burgess, like their main man. Like, imagine, like, I, I still think Penrith, you know, do what they do, but imagine them without Fisher Harris. Mm. It'd be a bit a bit different and Tom Berger was massive for like oh. Tola was great as well but I, I still think I had Tom as the, the real alpha in that side I think there's a changing of the guard year mm. for sure um, which is great because when you get him back next yeah. year oh, you mate. got both all of a sudden yeah so really good year for the Rabbitohs well done exciting times for the Rabbitohs fans Sharkies um, <coughs> wins 18 losses 6 Points four, three seven, five seventy three, against three six four. Uh, I mean, look, it's all obvious for us to to see. Uh, great year for the Sharkies, really good stuff. I have heard that the, the training is really intense, um, which is clearly what is needed. But again, it's about finding that balance. But Craig Fitzgibbon sat down Nico Hines at the start of the year, and he said, "I don't want you just to be a good player. I want you to be the Dalian Player of the Year." That's what he said to Hines at the start of this year. Talk about player development. Nico Hines is an absolute revelation. And if that's the first year at halfback, I shudder to think what this guy can be in two to three years at halfback. The Sharkies, it's exciting. Yes, their finals footy was not up to par. There's no denying that. But I am excited for Cronulla as a – I am super excited for Cronulla as a club. Guru, how would you see their year? Yeah, incredible. I remember at the start of the year saying to Craig Fitzgibbon, don't lose Mitchell Pierce's phone number. Good call, dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the greats. <laughs> Nico Hines yeah. breaks the record. Literally the, the Dalian. The <laughs> Not bad. Um, yeah, incredible season by the Sharkies. Uh, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I said during the preseason, you were higher on than what I was in the preseason, but I just remember them signing... You know, obviously bringing Dale to the club, they had Cam McInnes and they had Wade Graham and they were three guys that were NRL captains coming to the one side. So you knew they were going to be successful, but to be as successful as they were, <coughs> unbelievable. And that, that all came down to Hines and man, shout out to Matt Moylan as well. Like, held together by sticky tape over the last five years and then this season, you know, not only to play the whole year, but he had genuine impact throughout the entire season. There's got to be, like, when you see that and you go... There has to be something different in certain training programs. Like when you look at the Penrith Panthers and you look at guys like Moylan who have all of a sudden gone to a bloke that plays essentially every game, there must, there must be programs out there, strength and conditioning ones, that are superior to other clubs. It just it's, – it's shocking how fresh he looked. Like he didn't just look like, oh, there's an old player playing in six and he's kind of getting – I thought – I mean, I know he wasn't as quick as a youth – but he looked like he had spring in his step. He looked energetic. Uh, it's Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I thought Moreland was really, really good this year. 
Yeah, and Craig Fitzgibbon, just a point that uh, Matt Maddie's got here as well that I didn't even think about. Fitzgibbon was the first rookie to finish in the top two since Trent Robinson in 2013. Wow. What a knock that is. With a new halfback. With a new halfback. Who and hadn't played halfback in first like, grade. Look at it, like Will Kennedy. I, I think he's slick and I think he's criminally underrated. But it's a fullback when you compare him to guys like Luttrell and rah rah. Like, it, you look at that spine, there is not a fucking single person in the world that would look at that spine and say, that's the second best spine in the competition. Mm. But that's what they were. That's exactly what they were. You had Matt Morland on his last legs, arguably. You got uh, Braden. Um, Bailey, who is still developing. You got Will Kenny, like almost a bunch of misfits to a degree, you know, like they're not set in the world of light. They're not superstars on the back pages or anything. Even Nico Hines, when he arrived at the club, like there was a bit of fanfare, but it wasn't like. He was a bench warmer for Melbourne. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't like the, the new hero was in town. Like, for example, I'm trying to think, Latrell of the Roosters. It's this fucking, ma- sorry, Latrell of the Rabbos. It's this massive deal. Teddy to the Roosters. You know, whereas Nico Hines, it was like, yeah, a bit to celebrate, but it's incredible what they've achieved. Siffer was an inconsistent back <laughs> rower at the start of the year. Siffer would have been out of some people's 17 for the Sharks, let alone starting. He was out of the vast majority of them. Crazy. I, I don't think he was in there 17 to start, was he? He might have been on the bench, I reckon. He wasn't. definitely didn't start at centre. Bench at best, yeah. Yeah. Amazing stuff. Like I, I remember on, on our um, on our Supercoach show, we, we were talking and we were saying at the start of the year, remember someone got injured? We both said, geez, you don't want to give Sifra an opportunity to come in. Yeah. But he probably won't put together four weeks <laughs> that's needed to hold on to the spot. Well, I remember, I remember origin. me and you would talk about it, uh, I think quite regularly off air, and you were quite high on him. And yeah. I'd say, mate, I just... He's just too inconsistent. Like he'll he'll play a good a great he game, was. yeah. And then the next game, and I just can't. And you were like, mate, he's got it in him. He just rah rah. And you were right. He fucking he's incredible. He played bench, bench, second row, and then round four he played center. And that's interesting considering that the manly game was round eight, uh, round seven. So that was only his fourth game for the year at center when he incredible. destroyed manly. Incredible. And that that's like I think Cowboys and. Um, Cowboys and Sharks are, are, are very similar in regards to where I have them. Like, look, there is a world where they come out next year and they s- struggle a bit. It's, it's not out of the realms of possibilities. But I would, like, both of them had notoriously hard pre-seasons. And I think that's the hard balance they're going to have to find is, like, you can only tear the boys up as much, you know. It's, but you also don't want to start going, oh, all right, you have a little pass there, mate, because we made this top four last year and everything's good. <laughs> Because how often do we see that? Where we yeah. see players just get real content. Yep. I mean, look at the Broncos. It happened all in one year. We went from these mongrels that had this crazy line spread and everyone's going, holy shit, look at this scary Broncos side to, oh my God, the Broncos are like going to be a wooden spoon side next year. And I hate to say it and I hope I'm wrong, but history tells us that one of the Sharks, the Cowboys or probably the Eels, probably teams that overachieved where we thought they would, mm-hmm. One of them will drop next year. I don't know which one it'll be, but history tells us that one of them. At least three, one of them. Yeah. See, the, the good thing, the, the positive I have, at least for the, the well, at, for all three of them, I like the Eels have built into this, you know? Like mm-hmm. they've built into it over year over year. The positive as well for the Sharkies and the Cowboys is like they didn't get their wins by like almost like 2009 uh, Eels. It was just craziness. That, that run was just pure craziness. The Sharkies and Cowboys got it off pure systems, discipline, and all that kind of stuff. What do you, what do you think about the Sharkies' year, Timmy? Yeah, wonderful, mate. And 
obviously the story of the year, Nico Hines and just how, how quickly we've spoken about it time and time again, but uh, he made that transition to halfback. And it's why I think, again, they're side massively on the up and I can see them going further than semi-finals next season, maybe a prelim, maybe even a grand final. Uh, and I mentioned the Bunnies, how they don't have depth. We've spoken about it again, but their depth at the club is outstanding and the roster doesn't really change going into next season. A few older blokes, for Fafita and, and a couple others moving on, but it'll be a pretty similar roster. Kafusi, gain Kafusi. Kafusi. Yeah. Um, plenty this of young great. blokes. It'll be a good little game. It'll be yeah. fucking great. The, the combinations there are just going to get better and better. They've shown this year they can deal <coughs> with key outs in the side at different stages. So, uh, And with Fitzgibbon doing what he's done this season, he said... Maybe it was a tough year, but the players seemed to love playing for him. So, mate, I, I think they uh in for an exciting 2023. And, like, we have to remember as well, towards the end of the year, they lost Katoa. He's a big out for them. He was just as good as Mulatalo at his best. And, oh, man, they had a few injuries. I know Dale Fanukan was in and out. Uh, who else was uh, injured towards the end of the year? Kennedy came back after what six to eight weeks out with that ankle injury i mean like you got to i don't know what round it was i'm gonna guess eight nine hamonuelo was their best front rower yeah he, got, he got injured fucking injured yeah didn't see him for ages then Toby royce hunt stepped up things. and then royce hunt got hunt. injured yeah didn't he in the finals yeah or suspended or something injured yeah, i think he got injured didn't he so yeah so oh, and hunt yeah. came in started getting to his potential and then he so they've had they had a bit to deal with and the way Graham came into the season with an injury yeah. as well because um wilton had to start on that edge so it hasn't it hasn't been smooth sailing well look at this so they're last they're last essentially i'd say nearly 15 games we'll just say 15 games they lost three matches and it was against penrith north queensland and south sydney mm. Fuck, that's good that's really fucking good. Um, now, look, there are some criticisms in regards to, um, I guess, the draw. People think they had quite a soft draw. Um, but Manly going into this year was top eight. Newcastle was a top eight side going into this year. Um, they beat South Sydney. They lost to Penrith 20 to 10. I'll tell you what, now going back and looking at teams that even got close to Penrith, you're going... Like it's pretty, that's a win. <laughs> that's almost a win. Yeah. Um, they beat North Queensland. They beat Melbourne. So in their last run, because like I've seen quite a lot of people say they had a really soft run, especially with Nico Hines winning. They're like, oh, they beat... As if it's easy to yeah, win. Yeah, I know. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. They beat Melbourne. This is, in their, this is towards the end of the year. They beat North Queensland. They lost to Penrith 20 to 10. 20 to 10. And this is where they dominated that first 20 minutes against them. They beat South Sydney. Um, yeah, so in their, their last 10 games, they, they beat literally uh, third place, as in North Queensland, because obviously they came third, and they beat fourth place, and they beat Melbourne. So how can you say that that's a soft... Like, I don't think that's soft draw at all. And they beat them. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're, the way that I look at them is they're a pretty similar team to the Cowboys. Um, you know, you look at the regular season, once again, we'll compare them to the Panthers. Um, they only conceded 34 more points than the Panthers the entire regular season, over 24 wow. games. So they conceded 15 points per game in the reg season. Finals, though, they conceded an average of 35 per game. And what's really good, too, is like we talk about, you know, t teams taking some time to gel on that. They essentially, like, basically started at six. They, they came to second in uh, round five. But then outside of that, they were, were like, 
fifth, seventh, fifth, fourth, and then all third, second. So they kind of like, as the year went on, it's not like they were, um, you know, sitting in second for a while, dropped down to six, back up to second. They almost, not in a straight lineup, but improved all the way towards the end of the year to get second. Seventh in round 12, and then won 11 of 12. Wow. As as we said, it's going to take time for these combinations to form. They did, and then won 11 of 12, yeah. and then were golden point away from being straight through to a prelim final. A minute. A minute. And, you know, I know they, they struggled the next week. I think they just ran out of gas, plus they had too many people out. But, like, you know, maybe they had the four points in them to beat the Eels, you know? So, again, I understand it's like a lot of what-ifs or whatever, but we're talking about the season in the glass half-full scenario. So, an amazing season, just like the Cowboys. What are, If we had to say some negatives from the season? Yeah, I think that one that I just pointed out, like how they built their entire season on defence, they got to finals, and that just seemingly went out the window. Mm. You can see that many points. <coughs> Obviously, the game against South, I think they were exhausted um, from the week before. I don't have too many negatives, to be honest with you. Like Their reserve grade side had a really good season as well. There's a lot of young guys that we haven't even seen in first grade yet that are very talented over there. Um, I don't know. Man, I'm trying to find some negatives here. and It's such a deep squad. They finished second overall. Call it a soft draw, whatever the hell you want. Like They can only play who's in front of them. Yeah. They did that pretty damn well. Yeah. Um, I think, it for me, the only negative would be the performance come finals time. I also think the back end of the season, like the last three games leading into finals, and you know you, you kept talking about, oh, I, I sort of probably didn't appreciate it as much, but oh, they played Manly, Canterbury, and Newcastle. And, you know, you, you look at the scores, 40-6, to 16-0, 38-16. They weren't as dominant as what those score lines say. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when I just look at those score lines, I think, fuck, they, they were good wins. They weren't. They no. didn't perform that well in any no. of those games. Yeah, especially yeah. the Doggies game. And even the, the, the Newcastle <laughs> were in the fight towards the well end. And truly, yeah. Um, and their completion rate was really, really poor as well, um, which is good. It means if they can sort that out. I, I will say the one thing that I'm looking for them is maybe are they missing a little bit of a superstar that can break a game open? I think Will Kennedy can grow into that player. Um, and I think it's a bit unfair on him because he was injured for so long this year, like six weeks. Um, but outside of that, very exciting. Timmy, any negative at all for the Sharkies? Not really. And as in, like, going into the season, I didn't have them pegged as a top four side, mm. and they did it pretty emphatically. Finished third on the ladder. Yes, disappointing straight set, set to exit, but that could have been very different. Um, you, you mentioned, you're right, I think they're so well placed going into next season, but... And, and I, maybe they don't have the superstar to, say, win a grand final. Well, I think that superstar probably has to become Nico Hines now. Yeah, and, okay. And, and it's a lot of pressure on Nico to sort of say that or have that expectation on him. But the reality is he's now a Dalian medal winner. So you're going – that pressure and that expectation is just going to get higher and higher on him. So, look, he's such a, a cool, calm and collected sort of fella. Nico comes across as – so I think he'll be able to handle the pressure fine. And But if they're going to win a comp, I think he's got to be the one who's got to – Back that up and, yep. and and possibly go to another level. I know we haven't spoken to that Dalian medal, but what a class act he was that oh. night. So good. He was literally so the indigenous um, crew that was there was doing like I don't, I'm not sure it's called a war dance, but just their, their dance or whatever, shake a leg. Uh, he was literally had paint on his face in his suit doing that. So like before he's winning Dalians, he's representing his culture like that. It was incredible. So good to see him get up there, and just he he. 
if you ever want to, I guess, if you're a young guy or and you become a bit of a like a bit of a big name and you become a marquee signing, if you want to ever want a blueprint on how to handle it, give Nico a call. He went straight away. He signed the deal with a club that looked like it was on the up with a good young coach. Went out and got a mind coach because he said, "I knew heading into Cronulla, the media and the pressure in the fans is way different to Melbourne, and I knew that." If I lost the game, whether I like it or not, whether it was my fault or not, it was my fault to everyone else. And that's such a mature way of thinking, such a smart way of preparing yourself to become the man he became. What about in his thank you speech where, and when he said it, I was like, what on earth is he going to say here? He said, oh, sorry, you might think I'm a little bit weird, but I want to thank the Melbourne Storm as well. Like, <laughs> just to think like that, he's, mm. just, he's something else, Nicker. Yep. And it's it's pure class. And he, you're right, he does have... He had, Melbourne Storm are to thank, you know, they were a big part of his development. Um, so an amazing year. Outside of that, um, in regards to standouts, I think we've kind of mentioned all of them. Blake Bra- Braley's got plenty left in him. Um, I want to see another year of Ken- uh, Will Kennedy. I think he's going to be great. Um, Hamlin Uwelli, Roy Sant. So, yeah. Yeah. On to the Mighty Raiders. Yeah. Um, what an interesting year. Start the year off terribly, two from eight, and you're sitting there going, "Oh my god, Ricky might explode. His head might explode if they win the spoon here." And then midway through the year, because Fogarty wasn't such like a superstar signing, I don't think it was enough appreciation was given to the fact that their number seven that was signed to play there wasn't playing there. Um, on top of that, they lost Hodgson literally first 15, 20 minutes or whatever. And so as soon as Fogarty comes back, I actually thought as well when the, the depth came in for the Raiders in the halves was they, they did a really good job. Um, you know, the, the younger fella, Schneider, he's got a, I think he's got a big future. I think that it's probably a little bit too soon for him though maybe. I thought he was solid, don't get me wrong, but I think that like in a perfect world, maybe the Raiders would have liked to give him another year in reserve grade because um, when Forley – and was Sam – did Sam play at all this year? Uh, no, no, I didn't play this year. He was in, in the squad, so just uh, New South Wales Cup. Yeah, and so uh, Frawley, when he came in, I thought he did a quite a, quite a good job, just that experience. Mm. But Schneider will be better for it. So um, now top point scorer was Jamal Fogarty. Top try scorer was uh, Hudson Young. They won 14, they lost 10. Four, 524 points for uh, 461 against. Uh, look, it's the year of, I guess, two things. Ricky Stewart bringing the boys back together. But I think this has to be, it's the year of Tarpane. He absolutely exploded onto the scene. Uh, I, I would definitely give the, the Raiders a massive pass mark. And I, th- I don't think they're getting enough appreciation for how young their squad is and how many people debuted this year for them. Um, I really like the future for the Raiders right now. What do you think of the Raiders year? You, Rude? Yeah, uh, very impressive season for them. Uh, Considering where it started, I was, I was just looking through. Obviously, Jamal Fogarty, he returned in round 12 against Parramatta. They lost that game. At that point, coming into that one, they'd won five from their first 11. They won 10 of their last 14 once oh, Fogarty yeah. returned. So. And what they lost to Dragons, Penrith, and Para. Yeah. So, pretty, pretty good season, pretty good <coughs> bounce back, you know. And I quite often think that Ricky Stewart, he. He's no stranger to saying some rogue things. And when he said a few weeks ago that, you know, they could have been a top four team if they had their squad, I don't know if I disagree with him. 
I mean, it, I don't think I don't know if they would have, but I don't think it's an unreasonable it's not statement. Outrageous. It's yeah, it's not yeah. unreasonable. No way. It's not in the top thousand <laughs> outrageous things you say. Uh, but yeah, a good season by the Raiders, and yeah, they've made a, a couple of tough calls that we were against for a lot of the season. Obviously, Charns not playing, and Xavier coming in and playing fullback. But I thought by the end of the season, he really did start to improve, and I think it will uh, pay dividends for them in the future. Yeah, Savage is a. A star of the future. You know, we've been over at Ad Nauseam. We probably would have kept Chance there. But they got to the second week of a, a final series with Savage there. The future of the club. Like, Savage is a superstar. Boom. Out and out. He's he's entertaining to watch. He's a great character. He, he's a highlight real package waiting to happen. He's a, a guy that you can make as a marquee man. The, the benefit they're going to get from taking that risk I think it's going to pay massive dividends. And it's a similar situation with Jared Croker, who, you know, they hardly selected this year. They went with the two young guys at centre. I think both of them made that Kiwi side, did they? Uh, to my co and Chris? He didn't. Chris did, did he? Fuck, what an effort for Sebastian. You can talk more about him, but he almost fell off the side of the earth a couple of years ago. He took a season off yeah. two years ago or something just because... I think a few things were going on off field, maybe sort of getting the right headspace and just needed some time away from footy. And he came back and he's now in the Kiwi squad. You know, I mean, Chance, who hardly played this year, he got named in the Kiwi squad as well. Mm. Um, Massive. So, so for the Raiders, so from, from mid-year, to be sitting where they, on mid-year, around seven or eight where they were 15th on the ladder, to turn that around, you know, you boys have touched on it, but we lost Hodjo early on. We lose Jamal Fogarty, the sort of key halfback recruit. There were some genuine excuses early on in that season as to why where they were ended up, but to fight back and, and show the resilience that remember mid mid year we were sort of going, where's that resilience that Ricky's instilled yeah. in this side through that aggression the, the, the last the couple of good years? You're like, where's it gone? And then boom, out of nowhere, we win eight of the last ten to make finals, knock off Melbourne week one of finals, and you go, all right. It was just. I think, don't think there'd be a disappointed Raiders fan out there from what happened this season. Yeah, they can't be. They surely can't be. Uh, because the balance of debuting or bringing in as much youth as they did, plus playing second week of finals, it's outside of winning a premiership, <coughs> you can't ask for more. Like, blooding a bunch of whole next generation, plus make, making a second week of finals, outside of winning a GF, like, what else could you ask for as a club? You stay competitive whilst you blood a bunch of new players. Like Sebastian, Chris was outstanding, especially towards the end of the year. Tomoko, I still think we've got plenty more to see from him, but I thought he was good in his first year. We've talked about Savage. They've still got Harley Smith Shields, um, you know, on the wings. Kotrick, uh, I thought, towards the end of the year, was starting to find that form before he left the Doggies. Like, it's, it's a massive year. Whiten, I still think Whiten is, is on the up. I think each week he's getting more confident in things that work. I think that his kicking game is improved out of sight. There was a period there, I think, like last year where I was like, I just didn't think he, he's like a lot out in the full and seven tackle sets or, you know, kicking it dead. Whereas I think those errors were a bit down this year from what Jackie Whiten. Um, you know, I'm, I'm super excited for the, the, um, for the Raiders. Now, I will say I think Adam Elliott's going to be quite a bit of a loss. Mm. I'm just – I spoke to Ken Smith about this in regards to with the Raiders like – having a ball playing 13 like is that going to hurt the Raiders I think it was the Raiders we're talking about or maybe someone else and he said well it just depends how you want to play like it everyone just assumes you have to have a ball playing lock because that's the trend at the moment he said but you may not need the extra man to get your you, you the wide ball um 
and he just he pointed to the storm he said look the storm they rather at the moment a bigger body and just get quick play the balls and get you on the back foot rather than getting you by stripping mm. you of numbers on the edge and so i wonder whether ricky's going that route of like you know what maybe we don't want to focus on the ball playing back row i just want a big strong back row ready to go <coughs> now trey mooney is a very exciting prospect he played in new south wales we've spoken about him before do you reckon he could be the next up He'll be in there, mate, and I assume it'll probably be as a lock. He can play edge or as a middle, and, and he's a solid option. I haven't seen enough of his ball-playing side of things to that. I think in terms of being able to get away with not having a ball-playing lock, yes, you can do it, but you need a, at least to have a hooker who's got really good service, mm. and at the moment, <coughs> the Raiders don't have that. So to go in with, and this is no discredit to, to Tommy Starling or Zach Wolford, but... I think we need – now, it's easier said than done. Let's yeah. go find a gun hooker. Well, yeah. there might not be one out there. Yeah. They might be contracted to clubs. So it's not that easy to do. But, like, I think if you, you've got those two going into next year, it's a little bit of a concern that if they really want to take the next step back into sort of prelim, grand final, footy, you need a gun hooker. If they don't get that, I think that's where they probably need a ball playing lock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's so, a good point. So when Hodge, was, was so perfect because Starla would come on, like I said before, after 30-odd minutes and and Hodge could be that ball playing, the link between the halves. But mm. we don't really have that at the moment and that is one area of concern for next season. Um, another person that was outstanding, Hudson Young. Whew. He was an absolute beast on the edge. Absolute beast. I think he's only going to get better. Um, yeah, what a, what, a, what a great season from the, the Ricky's Raiders. Um and again, it wasn't like a quiet season as well. They had controversies. They had a lot to deal with. Um, I mean, Ricky missed a week, literally. Uh, their losses are Hodgson, Adam Elliott, Charles Nickel-Klockstad and Ryan Sutton. Um, their losses as well. The great Sammy Williams. He's Go gone. On. No. Uh, Gaines. Pasami Solo uh, from the Knights. I'm not sure what position he plays. I think he's a back he's a rower. F- no, yeah, he's a forward. He's a big bit of gear. I mean, okay. Yeah. Ricky loves his big forwards. He fucking <laughs> loves it. Um so, yeah, really, really good. To consider that the, at round seven, they were sitting 15th, round eight, 14th, that they would all the way get all the way into the eight, it's pretty, pretty incredible mm-hmm. turnaround. And the positive is the fact that they blooded so many debutants. So definitely a pass mark year for the Ra- Raiders. Now onto the Storm. Storm, Nick Meany, top point scorer. Coates, top try scorer. Um, they... Regular season, they won 15. They lost nine. Uh, missed the top four for the first time since 2014, but they re-signed Pappenhausen, Hughes, Grant. Munster still off contract. I think it's getting less and less likely Munster stays. Uh, Bellamy's next season will uh, reportedly be his last, but we've seen that before. Um, Munster had a great year after a troubled off-season. Look, I think this was probably one of Melbourne's toughest years I know they may have had years where they've finished lower or maybe not, but this is since I've been watching footy, this has been one of their toughest years. I can't remember a year where quite substantial time before even finals footy I was saying, and look, did I run it back after they towed the Broncos back up? Yes, I did. But there were weeks before that where I said, I, I don't think that the, the Storm are going to have a chance this year. I've never said that about the Storm before. And I think that a lot of the things that we were a bit concerned about come round one, about the depth in their forward pack, I think it kind of came true. And I also think that 
I, I look, I don't, I'm not counting them out at all. I'm not counting them out at all, but Bellamy potentially last year. Munster may be moving on. H- how do you see a review of the year, Guru? Well, um, uh, like the first thing I want to talk about is something that I didn't think about all season and until we had it on paper. You know, we were talking before. So from round 16 onwards, they lost to Manly in round 16. They lost to Cronulla in round 17. They lost to Canberra in round 18. They lost to South Sydney in round 19. So three out of four top eight teams. They then won four in a row. They beat the Warriors, the Gold Coast, the Panthers without half their team and the Broncos. They finished the season with losses to Sydney, the Roosters, Parramatta and Canberra. So essentially every single top eight team they they played in the last 10 weeks, they lost against except Penrith missing their entire side pretty much. And the only games they won in the back end of the season were against teams that didn't make the finals and were going pretty awfully. Let's be honest here. The Warriors, the Gold Coast and your Broncos who had <coughs> the wheels had fallen off. So they lost they lost um seven of their last eleven. All against top eight sides. Pretty much. I mean if you if you go even further than that, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, nine. They lost it this like over the second half of their season, they lost nine of their last <coughs> uh fourteen. Right. From round seven onwards, they beat two top eight teams the rest of the season. They beat so round round from round ten onwards, they lost six nine games far out. Yeah, and from round seven onwards, all they they beat the Roosters in round uh, fourteen, and then they beat the Panthers when they were missing players in round twenty two. To be fair, I think they were missing a couple of players against Panthers as mm. well, um, yeah. but it it doesn't change the fact that like. When you look, when you cover that first half, when you cover up to round nine and you just look at round like 10 onwards, it's, it's not a pretty look. It's, it, you put it this way, you wouldn't say it was a storm. Yeah, and that's the, I think that's the point we're coming to. It's very yeah. un-Melbourne and that word has been thrown around a lot this year. I'm scared to doubt them, obviously, because they've pulled our pants down on so yeah, many occasions. Yeah, I'm super scared. And they trapped us again this year against the Broncos where we thought, okay, they're back. Yeah. They weren't. Um... Well, they so, beat, yeah, they beat Penrith 16-0, both missing some players, and Broncos 60-12, and then they went loss, loss, loss. Yeah, and they, you know, they gain Eli Katoa, they gain Tariq Sims, two guys that, that they could be really good gets, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not as confident that guys are just going to walk into the Melbourne Storm system and turn into superstars. Or I'm less confident than I ever have been Yeah, that. well, I mean, we, we assumed, I thought King had a solid year, but he definitely didn't turn into the superstar. We thought he would... Oh, not superstar, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, pushing like, for origin. But, but that's what quite often these these fringe first grade guys walk in there as middle forwards and they turn into origin prospects and yeah. they think and he was great King, there's no <clears> doubt <throat> about that. Uh, but he just didn't really hit that level. I I also I, think I, that there's a lot of times when they're in trouble and then Brandon Smith, the energy that he brings can quite often save them. They don't have that anymore. I I think Pappenhausen back is massive. I think as soon as Pappenhausen went down injured, which was Raiders so round 18 round yeah so round 18 and the, but he was injured before that as well wasn't he yeah he carried a few injuries yeah he had about eight or he had about six weeks off smack in the middle of the season yeah and he came back for about three weeks and then jack whiten almost murdered him what do you reckon about the storm season timmy yeah well it was two things in that a they had a shit ton of injuries yeah most of most in the nrl 15 long-term yeah. injuries so there's that but they also didn't have the depth to cover it which mm. is so unmelbourne like because for over a decade now i don't know if they've had an injury a season with this many injuries but 
They've always been able to cover most of them and they just couldn't this year. Mm. And on top of that, I just think their forward pack was a combination of too big and just ageing a little bit too much. I don't think they had the the mobility and speed through the middle to match it with these powerhouse forward packs. I mean, we saw it with the Raiders in, in the first week of finals uh, against some of their even better sides in the competition. I just didn't uh, keep up with it, which is why when you look at... And it's not even a knock on them individually, guys like the Bromwich brothers and Kafusi. Individually, they had good seasons, but putting them all together, it's why I've got grave fears for, for the Dolphins next year. But Melbourne, they need to do something about their depth and... and I know I don't know how they're going coming through the ranks. I don't know how the Falcons go this year if they're any good. But they got to the grand f- uh, prelim, Falcons. No, they had a good side. They had a good side. No, because yeah. they won on the buzzer against Logan. They, mm. they, I'm pretty sure they won on the buzzer in one of the finals games. Mm. They obviously they didn't make the grand final though because that was Norse ready. So I think and they made the game prelim. to get into the grand yeah, final. Yeah, prelim. Yeah. So it's not. Not bad. Strong yeah, yeah. All year. yeah. So, so hopefully a few coming through there. But and then you mentioned Brandon Smith leaving. I've just said I think they're a bit too big in the pack and, and probably not mobile enough. He is the one who's that quick gain, that quick ruck speed, the quick play of the balls. They lose that. So I, I'm pretty concerned about them next year. Mm. It's in, good. Sorry, it's just in saying that, like, you know, we all like maybe we are underestimating Melbourne a little bit. I mean, you mentioned all the guys they're losing. Like I would argue that Fleece Kafusi, Jesse Bromwich, Kenny Bromwich, based on this season. Maybe they've released them at the perfect time, though. Oh, I think they have. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not prepared to say that. I don't think uh, Kafusi, um, Jesse, and like I thought they had solid years. I wouldn't say they had good mm. years. Um, and I think that like when when you've got that many players, and I think this is what you're alluding, alluding to, Tim, that are like just doing their job, which they were doing. Like they were making their tackles. I thought um, Kenny Bromwich had, had some really, really good games. He was probably the best out of the three, I yep. think. Um, I think he's still got a lot of a, a bit more to offer. Um, but when you've got that many players just doing their job really well, which is what they did. They didn't have a good year, but I don't think they had a bad year by any stretch. And Kafusi, obviously, he, he was dealing with a lot personally. Mm. Um, but when it's just it's hard to find the spark, and that's where Brandon Smith comes in. As soon as Brandon Smith would come on, all of a sudden this energy would just rise. And so I actually think they've timed this letting go probably perfectly but the problem is i don't actually think they've prepared well for it because they've had to go out and get a guy like Tarek sim who is also a bit older and i think he'll be i think he'll do a job there for sure um katoa on the other hand if he reaches his potential he'll be an absolute monster but it's just that forward pack that i'm just a little bit unsure of and that's where i think that there's no denying now they're in a transition phase Mm. they're in a transition phase and it's like, you know, I think Dave Donahue, their, their CEO, he left about two years ago. Bellamy, he may go into the football management side of things. This is truly a transition phase. Now, I will say, if there is there Bellamy's last season, next season, that could be the fire they need to do something special. Um, because obviously, you know, Craig Bellamy, the greatest coach of all time, essentially, or at least the greatest player developer of all time. Um, they were missing Welsh for most of the year. They do have, when I was watching the bit of the Falcons verse, I think it was Logan, apologies if it wasn't. They got some big, big boppers, big boppers in the middle there. So you get Bromwich, uh, sorry, you get Christian Welsh back. You get Pappenhausen, Grants, Hughes, Munster will still be there. He's not leaving early. That's a hard side to tip against. It, it's an, and that's it. Their spine, <laughs> that's still the best spine in the NRL. Like, that's unbelievable. It's a joke. So, so around that... 
they can go deep again next yeah. year. But do they have the depth to account for injuries if they strike again, which they will. Yeah, really, really interesting. I, I, I think as well, just for people that may not, we're talking about, we're talking about compared to Storm standards. Mm. We're not talking about compared to, like we put Storm in the same pedigree as Penrith in regards to what we expect from them. Now, obviously, Penrith have kicked ahead. Um, I'm concerned for them. They might finish fifth again. Yeah, like, exactly. It's exactly. Melbourne. A bad year. Like you said at the start <laughs> of the year, a bad year for them will be finishing fourth or fifth. Yeah. Um, I still think they make finals. Uh, I, th- I just think that spine is so electric <clears throat> that even if their forward pack is in a transition phase, the quick play the balls that Harry Grant forces out of teams because he's constantly scheming, um, their spine's just too good. But are they the absolute super force in the NRL right now? I don't think they are. I think Penrith have – I think coming into this season – put it this way. Coming into this season, I think you would have gone Penrith, Roosters and Storm are all kind of on an even – like, you'd have Penrith as favourite, but they're on an even keel. I think at the moment, Penrith are out and out, the most dominant side in the comp, and it's daylight to second. Yeah. Um, in saying that, with this Melbourne Storm side, like, the pack looks a little bit light to me. Um, they didn't play Jack Howarth at all this year. They kept him in reserve grade, and from talking to someone at the Storm a few months ago, the reason was that because, because of COVID... Yeah, like it's the first year he's ever played against adults. Yep. So they wanted him to get some reps down there. We spoke about in the preseason, is he a centre or a back rower? Mm. I said centre, you said back rower. He played centre until round 11 and then they've obviously made the decision, which <laughs> I reckon was around the time that these boys signed with the Dolphins. Oh, go, okay. Yeah. If we he need. wasn't now, he is going to be a back yeah. rower. So he's well, playing second the potty. Row. They listen to the potty, maybe. Maybe. Maybe they're <laughs> recruiting. So. Of course they listen to the potty. So you know what? He's got a, the beak's got a point. Bellamy. Big quash. <laughs> Bellyache? Hush. Um, but yeah, he played the last 10 weeks. And I mean, at second row, if he comes in next year and starts in the second row, and like personally, I think he'll be right up there for um, rookie of the year next year. For sure. And Absolutely. if he does really explode and have a huge season and you've got that point of difference there, it all changes suddenly. Yeah, for sure. Because then you got Katoa. Let's say Katoa kills it. Let's say Tarek Sim turns into a strong front rower. All of a sudden you've got Welsh, Sims. Yeah. Um, Nass. Nass. Oh, man. And then we're sitting here in a year's time Go going, on. Oh, fuck these guys. Yeah, They're fucking done it again. Storm will done it again. Storm, done it again. <laughs> I will say, though, you know, Matt, like I am more than prepared to say that Storm will pull all our pants down and win a premiership next year. But what I'm not – I will, I don't believe is I do think their depth is concerning. I like, I'm happy to put my hand up next year. If they bring in a bunch of guys in and they go really well, I'm happy to put my hand up next year and say I was 100% wrong. Their depth is fine. But as of now, I, I just am like Timmy as well and Yugura as well. Yeah. I am a little bit concerned about their depth. Um, in regards to satisfactory year, compared to any other club in the competition, you would say 100% satisfactory year. Compared to the Storm, I think this is a really disappointing year for the Storm. I think that even though they had the most injuries, I think Bellamy was a bit would be really disappointed with the way they um, they went. Um, so, look, they're the Storm. Like, let's not forget what these people have achieved. 20 years of dominance. Absolutely incredible. Uh, now, on to the last team, boys. Well, so next week we'll do – guys, next week we're going to drop the, the potty, the World Cup and that, and then we'll do the bottom eight side season review. The bottom eight side season review. Um, now – Roosters, interesting year, really interesting year. You get to round 16. Round 16, they're finishing, they're at the, round 16, they're 11th. 11th. 
then they win every single game except for their last one where they get knocked out. Well, before they went on that, like they, they won their last eight games of the regular season in a row. They lost the four before that. Unbelievable, and I think this is where it is so important in this competition, especially if you're going to try and give this premiership a shake. You need to be in the top four because you can't be playing the last three weeks of the regular season like it's finals football yep. to keep yourself alive. And you the, can't afford to run into a red hot South Sydney or a yeah. or a battling Raiders. Like it's just too hard these days. And like it, it, even like this yeah, season, sorry. You look at South Sydney, like they, you know, they were in a little bit of a safer spot, not heap safer, but like Maddie, like. Like, I reckon you guys would have had such a better chance, and I think it showed last year when you finished top four, you beat Penrith week one, you came to that grand final, you only just lost. Like, you had a fantastic half against Penrith three weeks ago. You just ran out of gas. You can't – if you're outside the top four, you just give yourself no hope. It really, it's really tough. And that's why that – like, put it this way, if Eels don't beat Storm that last game, I don't think they make the finals. I don't think they make the finals. No. Um, you know, so Roosters' year is interesting. It's interesting because if you looked at the second half, you would go, this is a scary side. You know, even the, the loss to the South Sydney, they would decimate it. They lost Teddy. They lost Angus Crichton. Um, but I'm not I'm, – I'll put it this way. At the end of last year, I was sure that they were going to at least make a prelim, if not a grand final. But at the end of this year, I'm like, well, you know, they do have games in them where they doesn't seem to work for them, where certain players aren't gelling, aren't clicking – do you think they've found their groove or do you think they just went on a good run towards the end of the year? I think that they've found a bit of a groove. I think that they I think they come into this season knowing and it's going to take time to get used to Brandon Smith at nine. Mm. I think it's going to take him a bit of time to get used to this side. But I think they came into this season and halfway through they decided, fuck, we've got to get Joey Manu involved. We're going yeah. to use him in this fashion. Uh, they had obviously Walker and Kiri playing completely different roles. I think they know going into this year What's going to be James Tedesco's roles? What's going to be Manu's role? What's going to be Kiri Walker? I think they've got a lot of it sorted out. And then it just comes down to putting Brandon Smith in there. And I, I think they'll be a lot more of a smoother side this year. I think they'll be as up and down. Just having a look. We said that they lost those four games before they went on their win streak. What about the three games, that the last three games that they lost? They lost the first one 26-18 to, to Melbourne. They lost the next one 26-16 to, to Parramatta. Then they lost the other one 26-18 to, to Penrith. It was essentially the same score line. Yep. Three weeks in a row mm. against top sides, and then all of a sudden they just go back eight in a row. Yep. They're pretty dominant during that period. Well, I remember watching the Melbourne game, and I was like, if if the Roosters, those three losses that I had, I remember talking about it going, don't let them deceive you. This Rooster side is mm. playing good footy. They're just up against the best fucking teams in the comp. Um, but isn't that just such a credit to Trent Robinson that obviously <coughs> he was able to stay calm, yeah, despite them at that point sitting in eleventh place after those three losses, and so just go trust what we're doing here, yep. we'll be okay. Do you think, though, Timmy, what do you think about the Roosters season? Mate, I never thought I'd say this, but I feel sorry for the Sydney Roosters. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, the last couple of years, probably, what, three years now, the injuries they've had to deal with, mm. it is just <clears throat> unbelievable. Like, the squads they've assembled, they should have had arguably a premiership or at very least a couple of more grand final appearances. Um, but, what, like, we spoke all season about... Back Robbo, he'll get them humming by the end of the season. He did. They won eight on the trot to make finals. And we were sitting here going, all right, yeah, they're in the, the bottom side. They don't get the second chance, but they're every chance. They then go into a, a semi-final week one and they lose James Tedesco after 14 or so minutes. Angus Crichton after 30 minutes and then on half time, Daniel Tupu, 41 minutes. 
And it's just like, I know the Bunnings were pretty relentless in that game, but you're just sitting there going, they can't take a trick. Mm. They couldn't have gone in in better form into the finals. And then that happens all within one half. They lose three of their best players. So yeah. <laughs> I do think injuries are an excuse for them. They, yeah. Oh, God, they had a rough run. They had a, an absolutely. Uh, one thing I will say, though, is that like the energy and aggression they were playing with in those last eight games, like, can you keep that up all year? I don't know if you could. Surely not. Like, even, even the Penrith Panthers didn't come with, like, the aggression that the Penrith Panthers came with last night, they couldn't do that all year, surely. Because you'd, you'd peter out. So, yeah, the Roosters, again, if you went in the first half of the year, you'd go far out. I think people are getting it moved on here. <coughs> but then second half, you go, well, it's looking like, outside of all those injuries, they may have maybe able to make a push. Um, Tupu, top try scorer. Sam Walker, top point scorer. Wins 15, losses 9. Um they are getting Brendan Smith next year. Uh, they won just three games between round seven and 17. <laughs> Fucking hell. And then they were managed to do what they did. Um, interesting. One of the big calls of the season, though, Robinson. Robson, uh, Robinson abandoned plans to make Kiri the seven, and he made uh, Walker the seven. I think that uh, Robbo deserves a bit of credit with that. Um, I think a lot of coaches would have been stubborn and, and said, like, no, 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 I made this decision. I'm going to stick with it. Otherwise, it looks like I made the wrong call. But how it's it's funny how sometimes we, we – not that we overthink things, but it's almost like the obvious answer, we try to go, okay, well, we've got a number seven here, but here's all the reasons why he can't be the seven. He's young, he's inexperienced, he's flashy, we need this, we need that. History tells us why he isn't the guy. Yeah, yeah. and so let's go the guy that's experienced, he's won comps, rah, rah, instead of going, what's the main thing that matters? One's a seven, one's a six. And I think eventually they realise that Sam Walker is a seven, he'll always be a seven, he's been like that since he was six years old, and Luke Keary, he's always been a six, leave him at six. I, I'm still a little bit unsure for the Roosters next year, but I I, still, I would still put them in premiership threat territory. Last year, the reason why I was really high on the Roosters is because of what they managed to achieve because of the injuries. Whereas this year, when they had everyone back on the field, um, there were periods where they just didn't seem to gel. But if they can, look, if they can play like they did towards the end of the year for the whole year, oh my God, like, I don't know how they will. Um, I think Lodge has been a massive pickup for them, especially losing, they're going to lose Tokiaho. They lost Saluka Fafida. Uh, Gildart, he's a, uh, He's going to return from loan to the Tigers um, and Sam Verrills to the Titans. I think Sam Verrills is going to be quite missed. Just the safety of like having him there as a genuine hooker in case Brandon Smith can't play for 80 or only plays 50 or he's suiting 13 better. I know, Guru, you probably like him better in the forwards. Mm. Um, but they did sign – they may be signing Jake Turpin. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things – and I Brandon Smith is the better hooker, but there are a lot of things that Sam Verrills does better than Brandon Smith right now. Mm. And I think, especially in the first few weeks, uh, I'm, I'm very keen to see what their draw looks like in the first few weeks because yeah. it is going to be a bit of a hard... And uh, Brandon Smith has said it himself that he hasn't played that much hooker. Yeah, He's good at it, but he hasn't played that he's much. He's a Dallium hooker of the year and he's he saying He hasn't that. played <laughs> that much, yeah. So he's still got a lot to learn in that position and so he should because he hasn't played much there. But yeah, I think that first four or five weeks could be a little bit rocky for them. But then I, after that, I think once they smooth all that out, I think it'll be pretty smooth sailing for the Roosters. Do you think the Roosters risk chopping and changing too much if they make any changes going forward from this? Like because a new, it's essentially a new halves pairing. They've gotten rid of nine. They've got a new nine in. Like 
I think they almost have to pick and stick with this spine for at least another 24 months. Because I just think that if they tra- if they go, because we all know roosters are incredibly ruthless. Like if they don't get a result, they will move a bloke on. Like if they don't win comps, do you think that they need to pick and stick with this at least for 24 months? I'd be surprised if they don't. But I mean, there was whispers of Kiri getting moved on. Yeah. Like not, not that there were official whispers, but people were like, when they were going on their, you know, a bit of a losing streak, it was like, oh, well, they're going to have to make some tough calls and cer- certain people may have moved on. How old's Luke Kiri? He's 29. Oh, okay, right. Maybe even 30. Um, mm. So the, the interesting one with that fascinates me is, I mean, firstly, Kiri and Sammy Walker, now Sammy Walker in his second year in the NRL, um, Got a full season together. Yeah. So they'll be so much better for the run. As I said, they run eight on the trot to finish the season and then knocked out week one of finals. But it's with Brandon Smith and his style of hooker. He's the complete opposite style of hooker to Sammy Verrills. Mm. Now, the Roosters have so much strike power out wide with those halves with Tedesco, Joey Manu. It's like, all right, get on the front foot and then go whack, whack, give these blokes early ball. Sam Verrills is a pass first, run second hooker. Brandon Smith is run first, pass second. Yeah. And, and that can work in the right team. I don't know if it's the right fit for the Roosters. Mm. And, like, it, it can work cohesively and he can be a runner because when he runs, he gets a lightning play, though, and they go whack, whack out the back. But <coughs> will his style of, of hooking suit the Roosters? I'm not convinced it will, but I am convinced that Trent Robinson will get the best out of him yeah. and make it work. Well, the How pos- that looks, I don't know. The positive thing for the Roosters is, is like, let's say, you know, Kiri and Walker are too dominant for Brandon to get what he needs. Like, in saying that, he worked with Munster and Hughes pretty damn well. Mm. Um, but I'd say Hughes and Munster are more running halves, so that probably helps the running nature of things. The po- positive things with Roosters, though, let's say just for some reason it doesn't work out a hooker. I, I think it will, but let's say it doesn't. You could just, okay, he's a 13 then, and yeah. he's one of the best 13s in the competition. If Turpin is great through preseason and plays a few trials, maybe the first couple rounds off the bench and goes well, it could happen. They're like, yep. all right, Turpin's your nine. Cheese plays 13. Like I, I don't or, or like they play the similar role that – because like a lot of people go, what about Victor Radley? Don't worry, we haven't forgotten. But think of Taumalolo and Cotter, what, the way they play. Mm. And so that's the way you could play with Cheese and, and Radley of like kind of mixing that front row 13 role where you don't really know who the 13 – like sometimes Taumalolo's passing, sometimes it's Cotter passing, and you just, you just got two great ball runners that can also ball play in the forward pack at one time. And, you know, it might be the best thing that happens to Victor Radley that all of a sudden that jersey might not be 100% his. Mm. And it might, you know... I, I, might even I, take pressure off him as well. It might, to, yeah. To constantly have to be the link man and he just can do what he does best, which is, even though I think his ball playing is great, I think he loves the contact as well yeah. and running it and being a part of the... Oh, I think, though, that... I don't know, it's a tough balance with Radley, but they do just need him on the field more. Yeah. He's just so fucking important to this team and he is so talented that you don't want to take away what is great about his game, that he is aggressive, but there's uh, no bigger fan than Radley than, than me. Mm. But for me, I'm looking at Rad's in the last few seasons. You know, it's not getting to a liability stage, mm. but it's not far off the amount they're missing him and how important he is to the team when he's on the field. But then he goes missing for five and six weeks, three times a season at the moment. Well, it's cost him probably two origin jerseys. At least one. I, I think it's fair to say that if he had played more footy over the last few years, he'd be in that Kangaroos squad today. Yeah. I think he would have played the last two Origin series yeah. and I think he'd be there. It's not unreasonable. It's um, 
I mean, the, the big up that Isaiah Yo and Murray have over him is just the amount of footy they've played over the last three years. Before he was suspended and injured all the time, he was a back-to-back premiership winning lock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can't wait to see Bradley's career. He's such a character of the game and he's so good to watch. He just personifies old school footy. I fucking <laughs> love it. But you're right. You want him on the field. You need him on the field. Yep. And that's, you know, and unfortunately, the modern game doesn't reward that old school sort of football in the vast majority of occasions. Holy and shit. This is interesting. Victor Radley's only signed for next year. Mm. We haven't heard a peep out of that. They're so good at keeping shit under wraps, seriously. Um, We'll get to that when we do a transfer show, guys. Does that mean he's off contract November 1st? Yeah, yeah. I haven't even heard about it. They're the Roosters are the best. They're just (laughs) fucking so good. Um, But we'll speak about that when we do a transfer show, guys, so don't stress. Um, Is there really a dude in their squad called Sandon Smith? Yeah, he's a halfback. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon Smith and Sandon Smith. (laughs) Holy shit. That's hilarious. <laughs> Fuck the boys would have been giving shit all year, the poor bloke. Um, just lastly, Suwali'i, or we'll talk about Manu. Incredible year. I think we've given, you know, we everyone knows how much we love Manu. Suwali'i, what a year. What a fucking year. Isn't he scary what his potential can be? True, like, he literally could be anything. It's crazy to think he made the Dallium team of the year and he didn't play the first five weeks. And he's a teenager. And he's 19. Just, mate, I, I've met him in person at the Dally M's. He is massive, bro. <laughs> He's as big as Payne Haas. Hey. Honestly, I thought he was in, maybe an inch taller than Payne Haas. Yeah. And he's he's, he's as wide. Like his shoulder width is, he is fucking huge. And he's 19. Wait till he fills out. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> well, that, that's <laughs> the scary thing. And like, I, I don't want to go back to comparisons and whatnot, but. You look at Latrell when he was 18, 19, you go back and watch the tape and you go, oh, my God, he's so small mm. ne- then compared to now. Then you look at G.I. was exactly the same. You watch those old tapes and you go, how wasn't G.I. getting snapped in half? So elite, like, it's scary to think right now we're watching him coming out of his own end being so damaging. In five years' time, we're going to look back and go, geez, he didn't have much on his frame. Yeah, whereas, like, in five years, him coming out of his own end in five years' time with a bit of muscle on him will be literally unstoppable. And the scariest thing is that he's, what, what is he, 25 games into his career and he knows how damaging he yeah. is already. He's already realised, which is sometimes the biggest hurdle to overcome. It's fucking mental. I mean, he's already in one year or half a year of footy, he's got shots on kick out, like literally shotting off the wing. Amazing. So Suwali is you was outstanding. I thought um, the Butcher brothers were really good. Um, pass mark for the Roosters this year, but I would say as a whole... I think they'd be a little bit disappointed. I think they'd be a dis- bit disappointed. They wouldn't be giving themselves a pass mark, I don't think. Yeah. Not even close. I would just say pass mark just to the injuries and that, that they've had to cop. But I, I yeah, I, I think internally they'd be disappointed. Disappointed. And I think that it's pr- probably the first half of the year they'd be focusing on that disappointment. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do next year. Uh, that is us done and dusted. We're going to do the top eight, uh, sorry, the bottom eight next week, guys. Um, got anything coming on, boys? No, that's no. enough for today. That's enough for today. <laughs> yeah, we had a big day here. Big day yesterday, big day today. Uh, make sure to grab a case of Bloke in a Bar from your local, the best beer in all the land, Aussie Spirit in the can. And as usual, I'll go and fuck myself. <laughs>